Dr. Raw dropping knowledge to the masses. Man, you now tuned in the purpose and practice. Ay, yeah, purpose and practice. Keep your mental sharp. Uh, learn all the tactics. Dr. Raw dropping knowledge to the masses. Man, you now tuned in the purpose and practice. Ay, yeah, purpose and practice. Podcast game. Ay, he got it mastered. Peace, peace, peace. We are back with another episode of the Purpose and Practice Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Rawls Dill. Yo, it is, it's beautiful to be back again for another week. This is like, yo, real talk, this is like one of the highlights of my week. Um, get a chance to, to broadcast this show and bringing stories of folks, you know, uh, who are doing extraordinary things and just showcasing uh, their efforts, man, in terms of moving forward and moving us forward as a people. I just think that that's so important and that it needs to be documented. So today, in the truest, truest, truest sense uh, and purpose of Sankofa, we are reaching back to bring forward once again uh, this week. I got a special, special, special guest for y'all. Uh, this is a young man I had an opportunity to learn so much from. Um, so much from when he was a student, uh, I was a teacher, but I just believe we're all learners. I think that's, I believe that's the way it all works is we're communities of learners. And I learned so much from this brother. Like this brother was organizing all the way going back to high school I, when I knew him uh, and met him, you know, he was organizing movements and organizing students. Um, and when there are, where there are people, there is power. And he helped to move people um, and young people. And that was like a powerful, powerful thing. So, like I said, in the spirit of Sankofa and in the spirit of what this show brings forward, I was like, yo, I got to bring the brother Eric Majette on because he has been already named the Keeper of Jewels. Uh, like the Keeper of Jewels, the Keeper of Jewels, like by Dick Gregory. Okay. So, when we when we start hearing that type of title being you know bestowed on a brother from another brother such as Dick Gregory, that's heavy, heavy, heavy. And I was like, yo, we got to get this brother on. And he from around the way. So, yo, without no further ado, yo, Eric, man, thank you for coming on to the show. I'm super excited to have you here. How you feeling, brother? I'm great. How are you? I'm great, man. I I don't know if you could tell, but I'm like, I'm amped. I'm like, because you know what? Here's what I'm going to say to you, right? History is really important to me. And the whole reason why I chose the Sankofa bird as a bird to symbolize this show was because all I ever wanted to do is reach back and bring forward. So a lot of your work is that like like that that is yo that is your that is your work and in the in the truest sense of of what i think our leaders need to do those who are leading our communities our families our states our country what have you is reach back and bring forward prepare prepare your replacement and that's right. what i've always always been about and i feel like your work is doing that and that's why i was like i got to get eric on the show. And when I reached out, I was like, yo, hopefully, you know, he got time. Hopefully, you know, he get back to me and you came like, bam, I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. 
wouldn't Yo. have it any other way. <laughs> Yo, so we're gonna get we're gonna get into it, man. And you know, we're gonna get to the, the great things that you're doing now. Um, I had mentioned earlier Dick Gregory, yo, in you know, uh, yo, rest in peace, Dick Gregory, you know, Mr. Gregory, who has for our community just done some extraordinary, extraordinary things in all facets, you know, like um and a historian. And here's what I'll say. If if you haven't checked out his latest book, his his book, oh, well, yeah. it was about five, four or five years ago. Um, I gotta bring the title up. I'm gonna put it into the chat box. Mm -hmm. But it's a book that's like basically giving the history, not the history, but right. important historical moments in our country and how black Americans have brought that, Africans have brought that forward and how they have been essential components and movers and shakers in that moment. Um, a great, great, great book is one that I'm going to be introducing to my kids soon. Um, but it's funny too. That's what I love about Dick Gregory too, is like he brings it live and, you know, yeah. it's not like, you know, this heavy, heavy stuff that you can't understand and you got to go do a whole, you know, it, it's, it's where, as my, my, um, uh, grandparent used to say, he puts it where the goats can get it. So he puts it down low where you can, anybody can grab this information and take it. So with that said, let me shut up, man. We got here about, we got here about you, Eric. Um, so what we do, Eric, on the show um, is one of the things that we love to do is we love to go back and hear about our guests, you know, what it was like growing up. Um, how you grew up, where you grew up, uh, some of those folks who inspired you. Um, so if you don't mind just sharing a little bit about coming up, what it was like for you. Okay. Um, it was um, like everybody else that might be on now. Um, I grew up right there in Long Branch, right on Liberty Street, two houses in from the corner of Joe Line, um, literally born and raised. Um it was great. It really was. You know, um, you asked who were some people that inspired me. There were uh, two people immediately that stuck out in my mind. That was one, my fifth grade teacher. She was the first person that I ever knew that had first black person. I'm trying to think that uh, I don't remember whether I remember a white person with a doctorate, but she was the mm -hmm. first black person and teacher that I knew of. Um, that had a doctorate, and that was Dr. Carlita Polkoy. That was my fifth grade teacher. Oh. Yeah. Miss, yeah. See, she was Miss Roy for me. Yeah. Wow. She was one of y'all neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, she literally was, man, she was a major influence. She was my fifth grade teacher. She did not let me get into nothing. Um, as much as, you know, I tried to get in with my friends and everything, she wasn't having it. She'd be like, oh, no, you ain't getting in the okey-doke. That was her thing. And then she would say stuff. And I was, I was telling uh, some students this in my exhibit, my Sankofa exhibit, uh, which is the theme of my, uh, my actual exhibit this year, which is hilarious. It's crazy <laughs> that we're both on the same page with that. Word. But um, that literally was one of the things I shared with the students. I said, you know, a lot of times people early on in our lives, they see stuff in us that we don't necessarily see ourselves. And she literally was a... Yes a gold mine and apparently she saw diamonds and gold in me and I had no clue. And mm -hmm. uh, she was not, mm -mm. she said stuff to me. Like she literally said those old colloquialisms 
that yes. you know we understand now but she was just like oh yeah you know a gather a rolling stone never gathers moss and <laughs> don't I'm, let I'm that moss later. grow on you right I'm like, that... I'm like what is she talking about you know so it was those things that eventually came in later on that i understood but it was just like man this woman was like literally putting jewels in my head early on yes. you know so that was yes. one um so that was a black female teacher that had a phd um she had already had she had had my aunts and them before i mm -hmm. you know before me so mm -hmm. that was at the end of her career um toward the end of her life that i had her and then the second was tyrone hamlin my Shout absolute favorite yes. yeah my absolute <laughs> favorite teacher and he was the first black male teacher that mm -hmm. i remember ever having mm. you know he literally um and, and being that he was young he literally made being a teacher cool but also mm. being educated cool yes and uh he was the first that i can remember that uh taught me about myself as it related to being a black man and black history Word. so the earliest memories that i have of history and falling in love with history was because i saw somebody like myself that was able to um show me myself like literally was able to make history reflect me and mm -hmm. up until that point that had never been you know mm -hmm. and a lot of times you'll see as you being an educator you know for our kids when we don't see ourselves reflected we have no interest in it yep. so that was one yeah. of the things that yes. really made me yes. um who i am today i remember uh my grandmother told me she remembered me saying that i wanted to be a teacher and i didn't remember that at the time and um 2000 10 i actually became a kindergarten kindergarten teacher in uh brooklyn new york in brownsville okay i didn't know that all right yeah oh yeah i had a bunch of lives <laughs> it's, been, it's been crazy and the way i got there was interesting um i don't know if you want me to go into that now or you want to jump around because that comes well, later just on talk man talk okay talk. all right cool so i literally had been working in film and television by that point um, I had the blessing of being in the early stages of Black Hollywood here. Mm -hmm. I helped Tyler Perry move from his uh, first office building into his first warehouse, which became the first studio. Wow. And um, I worked there four or five years straight. And we did, I don't even remember how many movies. As far as I remember, I think it's probably seven. Um, two, no, three TV shows. No, four TV shows. Um, two talk shows and a bunch of other live events and everything. I went on the road with him, was the personal videographer for behind the scenes for some of the plays. Um, did all that, burned out completely. Mm, mm. So much. We did, uh, we made history. We did 100 episodes in one year, which is the equivalent of five years worth of work. And we got paid for one year, but that's a whole it was that story. kind of grind. Yeah, I'm not oh surprised. I'm not surprised with Tyler great. Perry that it was that kind of grind. I'm not. Yeah. Were you ready for that originally, or did you have to be schooled of like, yo, this is how the grind is? I was born ready. Right. I came, I came out of Long Branch ready. <laughs> uh, you know, I went to Morehouse, so I, I, we Word. had to learn a lot of stuff. Um, Morehouse at the time was antiquated when it came to old systems, just like a lot of HBCUs mm -hmm. were at the time. So we learned how to navigate anything in life going through the black college, um, you know, system. So. I was pretty much prepared for anything. Wow. You know, life had already prepared me leaving Long Branch. Um, I was prepared for anything. Mm. And um, from there it went, yeah, I was, I was living my dream. Yo. I, I literally was living my dreams. I had worked with everybody. Um, I had actually produced 
see what they didn't know at the time was there was only one person that actually knew my my resume prior to that um and i told her don't say anything because i didn't want to you know mm. get used because i knew what the situation yeah. was going to be yeah. um so i was literally trying to lay low by that time um for that it was funny because i had been chosen what year was that that was 2000 i guess it was five yeah 2005 i had been um chosen by camille cosby as a fellow in in their organization at the time that was the national visionary leadership project um that was based out of um dc with her and renee poussin and they had this uh, amazing project where they were actually um preserving the history of a lot of the elders at the time mm. so during this thing um it was a competition also and i had placed for the first year i placed third in the country Okay. Uh, amongst the competition. And then the second year I won first place. And um, that was really great because I got a scholarship, of course. But also now, you know, coming back now at this point, everything, those projects were now included in the Library of Congress. Um, so that stuff is in there, which was really cool. I did my, um, the the documentary that I won on. Yes, she was. Dr. Royce was <laughs> the realist. She really was. People have no idea. Like, literally. True. True Man. story. I got stories. For real. For real. Like, literally, I think she would have jacked us up if we did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. There's a few people that I think she might have jacked us up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. But um, yes. It's, been, it's been amazing, amazing journey. You know, I got to meet and um, host events uh, with uh, Dr. Cosby and, and um, Renee Poussaint. Um, I had met through them uh, Dr. Dorothy Height. Wow. Um, hosted event for them. Um, I was one of the scholars that they brought back, or the fellows that they had brought back to, you know, host the events with the uh, sponsors and some of that stuff. So that was great. That was amazing. Um, just I countless just, things. Yo, so I, it's you know, your accomplishments and the things oh, that you God. have seen and the things that you have been a part of are so inspirational and and I think that there there's stories that need to be heard. You you started off and this goes right back to what I started off with in terms of reaching back and bringing forward in terms of creating replacements in terms of speaking future self into young people which is mm -hmm. a major theme that's important in our community yeah. for black and brown kids. Um and you talked about Dr. Roy. Yeah. Now the generational impact that Dr. Roy, an intergenerational impact, yeah. like this is, you know, she's between multiple generations Absolutely. that Dr. Roy had because, you know, like I said, I knew her as my fifth grade teacher at Lena Conroe as- Oh, wow, you had Ms. her too. Roy. Yes, I had her, man. Oh, when you wow. when you said that moss, come on, don't let that moss yeah. grow on you. <laughs> right, yeah. Listen. Yeah. We, we, in, in the brother, Mr. Gilbert, who is now a teacher, you re yeah, probably remember, remember. Mr. he was yeah. that, he, he just commented, you know, Dr. Roy is no joke. Oh, like, is that who that was? Yes, okay. that's, has, yes, that's, that's okay. Mr. Gilbert. So yeah. we, we were in the same class in Lena Conroe, bro. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you, she And that was across with, the street from her house. Yes. Yeah. She was the first teacher that I recall being so close that we could touch her. And, I, and I'll never forget, we were going down to baseball practice one day. This is after we were in fifth grade, sixth mm -hmm. grade, maybe we were in. 
And we said, let's go to Miss Roy's house. And we went and knocked on the door because it was right across mm -hmm. the street from when the Conroy's, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and she opened up the door, you know, and said, how y'all doing? In that way, yeah. that reminded me of my grandma. And I wrote a yep. short story about, I wrote a short story about Dr. Roy a couple of years ago. Wow. Because, yes, bro, she, she, because literally my grandmother passed me off, mm. leaving, leaving, leaving home, going to school to Mrs. Roy. Yeah. And a lot of the things that Mrs. Roy taught us in fifth grade, number five, yeah. yep. impacted me and still impact me to this day. Because, yo. So Absolutely. when you said that, it's just, it's so real, man. And yeah. then you mentioned, you know, Mr. Hamlin, he's another yeah. one, you know, yeah. um, a brother that again, and there weren't many black educators at the time, wow. but it's funny how we both had these similar, these yeah. similar experiences. So shout out, you know, I, I always, cause I start off, I, I'm always trying to pay homage to those folks. Um, yeah. And one of the things that I'm trying to do, Eric, and maybe you can help with this. Okay. Miss mm -hmm. Minor. I don't know if you know Miss Minor. Yes. Yes. Okay. Miss Joe so, Minor. I remember. Yes. Yes. She's actually the reason how I got the uh, African American uh, Culture Club started back up. Okay, she agreed because to be the um, she agreed to be the advisor. Yes, so yeah. she was the advisor when I was in school. She was the oh, she wow. was the creator of the African American history class that we had. She she taught that class when I was in school. Mm. And one of the things that I'm trying to do, and maybe this is something we could talk about more, is do a history of black educators in Long Beach, New Jersey. That just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I don't even know if you can see it. But you know, that's interesting because somebody posted the other day um, about- Yes, um, I saw it. Doctor, uh, was it Alexander? Alexander? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I yes. loved her. Yes. I loved her. And yes. her son actually went to Morehouse too. And I remember, and it's funny because when I saw that post, it forced mm -hmm. me to reach out to him. Because I remember we used to substitute together. I was like, yo, let me reach mm -hmm. out to him because I'm like, yeah. yo, put me in. Let's get in. Because this this collection of stories, yeah, we have to preserve it, brother. We Absolutely. have to preserve it. And I've been trying to get, I said to Miss, uh, I told Miss Minor, I said, Miss Minor, I want to do a history of black educators in law. Is she still teaching? Is she retired? No, what no, no. She retired, man. Okay. She retired. Okay. Um, but she's on social media. So if you, if you, really? punch, okay, yes, if you, yes, you punch her in, she'll show up, bro. She'll show up. So you, you just took us on a wild, wild, a wild ride rather in the first 10 minutes, man. We, we got, <laughs> we, we going to get there. But one of the things, because you you know, one of the things that I want to know is when you know you said when you left Long Branch, you was ready. You was like, yo, Long Branch prepared yeah. me. Um oh, yeah. talk about what that preparation looked like. You talked about Miss Roy, oh. you talked about Mr. Hamlin, like talk about things you were involved in, whether it was the oh. church, whether it was clubs, yeah. what what were some of the other things that kind of propelled you into a situation where you were ready to just do your thing? Okay. Um, oh, man, where do I start? Well, one major thing for me was um, my church, Second Baptist Church. Grew up in Second Baptist Church, been there, you know, was there my entire life. So that literally prepared me for pretty much anything. Um, just like it used to be in the in the community, the black church has always been the focal yes. point in our community. Yes. Um, most of us have learned how to speak 
how to um, do everything we've learned in church, which also prepared us for school. So um, I had literally my core of everything was at Second Baptist. So that was a major thing, you know, starting with Dr. Um, um, Reverend William. Um, That's literally when I literally I was back way, way back. Um, Started with Reverend William. Uh, he was one of my neighbors. He lived uh, about three doors down from me right on Liberty Street. Mm. Um, so they, you know, him and his family had known me my entire life. Um, so started there, then going through the Reverend Gibson, known him my entire life. Um, it's like my godfather. Um, man, I'm, I'm trying to think of everything. Then also we have to mention Thornton, Lisa Thornton. Um, mm. Lisa was the um, NAACP president and I became the, uh, the youth president at the time. Um, wow. now you were in high school then. You were in high yeah. school then. Yeah, high school or middle school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So she. Okay. And that's the you when you say Thornton's those, the ditch diggers' daughters. That's the those are the. This Thornton's was a granddaughter. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. family. Judge Lisa yes. Thornton. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and and she's yes. a judge now. She was. Yes. She's an attorney back then, but now she's a judge. She's, yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. She was absolutely amazing. Yes. Um, has always been. Um, man, I'm I'm thinking of everything. You got me going back in. Well, because in you know what, here. no, Eric, because <laughs> because as you know, as a historian, these are the these are the stories that helped you know mold you. This is the collective yeah. memory that you yeah. know because those same folks who were who were feeding life into you. Yeah. Life had been fed into them, into you know what I'm saying? So, and so you know, on. yes, yes. Absolutely. So, so, you know, yeah. you are part of that collective memory, bro. Um, yeah. what, what was miss, let me ask you this because in, mm-hmm. in my memory, you know, it, it may, I may be off a bit, but mm-hmm. were you part of that group when we went to the blacks and wax? Yes. Okay. I you did. were, you I were one of the organizers, right? That was, I, I, you were in high school. I, I want to say you were, you had to be a senior. That sounds was, about right. I do Ms. remember. Alderman, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yes. Man, yes. I forgot about that. Yes. But yeah, I had begged Miss Alderman, and um, yes. there was a new teacher, Tiffany. Tiffany Monroe. Yes. Yes. I haven't heard. <laughs> I haven't talked to her or seen her since. Yeah. But both yep. of them, I had yep. begged them to be the uh, advisors, yes. and they became. They agreed to be the advisors, and that yep. was after. Yep. Matter of fact, I think that was the year after Miss Minor had retired. That's about right. That is all yeah. about right. Yes, because Miss in I because Miss Alderman had brought oh, wow. me into the fold. Mm-hmm. And I was at the time at the middle school. But okay. she was trying to she was getting me involved. Uh, and I was like substituting at the time. I wasn't even a mm-hmm. certified teacher, but I remember the wow. organization of that trip and going mm-hmm. down to DC. Was it DC or Maryland at the Black? I think Black it was Day? Maryland, Baltimore. Maryland. Baltimore, yes. Maryland. Yes, it was yeah. on the harbor. It was near the harbor. Mm-hmm. But I remember that. And I remember it's funny Man. because I was like, yo, Eric was a part of that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I had completely forgot about that. And we yes, did a, brother. Uh, we did an assembly. Um Oh, man, I can't remember who it was, but we brought in somebody. Actually, I think he became the pastor of. Hold up. Or he was, was the he former the... pastor at Red he... Bank. Um, yes. Was he the one that came in with heat? It was like it was heavy. Yes. And yes. a lot of people weren't ready for that. That was my senior year. Yes. Yeah, that was my senior <laughs> year because um, yes. I actually ran across the newspaper. I have the newspaper article from the okay. Atlanticville in one of my scrapbooks. And it was me, I think Miss Alderman, him, and then um, 
Mr. And Gilbert, then just, Tiffany Monroe. Mr. Mr. Gilbert just brought it. Was Keith Robert? Was it Keith Robertson? Was that the one? I can't remember his name. Yeah. I, I can't remember, was, but that is bringing back a lot of memories yes. that I haven't thought about in years. <laughs> yes. Man. That yes, but that was, and I believe that that is the one, Eric, because yeah. it was in the old. It was in the old auditorium at the high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and he really came with a message that day. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll never forget that message. And me and Mr. Gilbert wow. always talk about that moment. But so you were a part of like a lot of this moving and shaking, bro. Yeah. You, you were like, and here you are. You're like, man, I don't know, I forgot about that. I did. I really do. That That's a, a thing. And that's one of the things I find out about people that are really just doing what they loved. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. Yes, mm -hmm. I did. That's my, that was my first job, actually. Um, he's reminded me of everything. Like literally, that is so funny. That was my first summer job. Um, the I got it with yeah. I worked with um. It was uh, you remember that summer program with Miss Odom? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's yep. where I got that yep. job from. Yeah. And actually, your brother Corey yes. was with Corey, me on yes. that. I can't remember whether he was one of the supervisors, but then my cousin Dot, she was our she was our yes. supervisor at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was literally my first summer job. So you know, you probably were part of the crew that I had, and I and because it wouldn't have been Corey wouldn't have supervised you because he was closer in your age. I think he was in the uh, in the yes. program with us. Yes, yes. But yep. I just remember Corey. Yes, yes. Corey. And, yes. Uh, it was a couple <laughs> other folks that they were yep. hilarious. Like, yeah, your brother was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. was Listen. laughing the whole entire time. Yeah. And we used to go, and that's when we used to clean up. You yep. know, mm -hmm. the city, we were cleaning up the court. Yeah. Gardens, all kind mm -hmm. of things. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yep. Those, those wow. were. Yeah. <laughs> but, th but those matter are... fact, I think Dave Brown was in charge mm -hmm. of the housing authority back then, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he was. Yeah. Dave Brown. Yep. And he was he was he was big on insuring because even when I was a youth. And then Randy, Randy Phillips, too. Randy Phillips. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's coming back to you. bro. It is. It really is. <laughs> It's like it's coming, a, this, it, this brain it, is like a it's, computer it's, now. It's, it's flow yes. going through the files, but it's there. No, it's coming back to you. Yeah. Um, so you know, and that's why I love that 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 his that historical those historical references that we can make about the city from which we emerge because. I always feel like, yo, we're standing on those shoulders, bro. So part of the show is always, always, always paying homage to yeah. those folks. And, and I'm happy yeah, that we so were able people. to, like, we just went down. Yeah. And when we start talking Memory about the history, yes. <laughs> Yeah. We start talking about the history of black folks in Long, like, you know, the history of black folks, period. But then we start mm -hmm. breaking down the history of black folks in Long Branch. And those should be part of the natural course of development for our young people. Absolutely. Knowing this history, learning who these folks were and what roles they played, And a lot of things that they helped us work out of then, we can yeah. use those strategies to Absolutely. work out of situations that we're in right now, you know? For sure. So, so thank you for, for going back, bro. Thank you Absolutely. for, for going back. In this, the, yeah, there's, there's, there's many, many other things that, um, that I'm hmm. really thinking about. Like, um, my first experience in, um, kind of getting to this, uh, area that I'm in was my hmm. first pen pal. Um, we right. did some, some type of exercise in, in class where we were doing pen pals or whatever. Okay. But um, I was always interested in, in working in Hollywood or whatever. I, I always knew that was my path. I always knew okay. it. I had visions as a kid of some of the things that I was going to do. So I always knew what I wanted to do. 
But um, my first pen pal at the age of eight was Lena Horn. Uh, Lena Horn, yeah. I think yeah, I Lena heard that. I heard an interview with you, and you brought this. Yeah. up. go ahead, go yeah. ahead. Yes, Lena Horn literally was at that time. She was in her, I want to say, seventies, maybe early eighties, mm-hmm. and um, she was still recording at the time. But uh, she was based out of Harlem, and uh, I was a very, very resourceful kid. Like very, my grandmother and my great grandmother literally were just like, "Who is this kid?" Like I would come home from school. And my great grandmother would hand me notes that had notes like, okay, surely she's a call here, return a call or, you know, all of these different things. It was, it was, I have no idea where that came from, but it's always been like that. Literally my entire life. I started working with them. um, My first call to them was probably around 12 ish because I wanted to, yeah, I was such an odd kid. Um, I wanted to reunite the caravan. That was Shirley Caesar. That was Albertina Walker. That was uh, Cassetta George. That was uh, like all these Darcy Norwood, like all of them. So I called all of them. I have no idea how I got their numbers. I have no idea because the internet was barely out. I was going to say, this is like pretty <laughs> where we yeah. at with the internet. It really like, was. Way pretty yeah. dope. Wow. So the, between the, uh, oh, I know what it was, 411. It was mm. 411 mm. and the white pages. <laughs> and I had, I had really located these people. And I think 411 cost after a certain amount of calls or something. Yes, you had to pay for it. Yes, it was a fee. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was yes. funny because I remember that so vividly. And I remember my grandmother also uh, getting at me once that bill came in. Mm-hmm. But it was always something. It was always somebody calling, hey, Shavrod. Yes, um, that's another Shavrod. one of my sisters. <laughs> yes. Uh, like literally. Yes. Down on Liberty Street. Um, we were just on the, yeah, we were all together for. I forgot what it was. Um, not the Grammys. It was something. Something. Me, her, and Monet did a, a Zoom together. We were watching something. I can't even remember what it is now. But this is like people, man. Ago. Good people. Yeah. Good people, definitely. bro. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I literally, I probably am the last spoiled generation that we had so <laughs> many greats. Like, especially at Second Baptist, we had everybody. We had mm-hmm. Laura. We had mm-hmm. L.A., mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. Sherrod, we had mm-hmm. Terrica, we had, oh, my God, I, no. um, everybody. Those, yes, yes. And that, and that, it's funny because now I grew up in Grand Court, between Grand Court and Garfield Court. So yep. we went to, but see, I went to my, my great-grandmother, um, shout out to, to, to Grandma Sue, uh, we were at uh, McLaughlin. Uh, the Pentecostal yeah. Church, which is, yep. you know, we call it, you know, right Brook Street. We call it for a while. Yep. But mm-hmm. that's where we went. But yes. Second Baptist was always our vocational Bible yeah. school. Oh, yeah. Everybody. <laughs> vocational mm-hmm. Bible school. Yeah. And that's why when you start talking about where you learn to read, where you yeah. learn to write, when you learn mm-hmm. the first speech, the first thing I ever yeah. memorized were Bible Easter, verses. Right. Yes, yeah. Easter speech. You yeah, had to do it Easter, Easter speech. And everything. <laughs> like, and yep. I'm like, yo, I wasn't yeah. realizing that was preparing me for a lot of things that I'm doing today. Absolutely. Those early church experiences prepared me for, you know, that's how it's always been. Even, even all the way from slavery. Like we've literally yes. had every type of training. Yes. We go, there's my yes. God brother and your cousin. That's <laughs> for Yep. Yep. Like yep. literally we, we literally had so many things, but the black churches where everybody got their chops, you know, yes. Um, yes. it's groomed yes. everybody. You know, Word. So that's Word. like literally we had. And then even with now, um, also going back to 
when it came to the choirs, uh, community choirs, we had um, Youth United for Christ that we were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, still mm-hmm. in, in contact with Miss LaBarbera and them. You know, and then Jason, we had Jason Webb, who's now yeah. a Broadway director and everything. Like, literally, wow. we had the best. <laughs> Long Branch, you could not beat. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Like, it, Word. Yeah, Word. It, it didn't get any better it, than that. It, it didn't, man. And, you know, you soaked all of that up. Yeah. You. I was literally around all the elders. You, like, I was the oddball you, out of everybody. And they used to you, make fun of me. Marcus and, and Matthew and all of our crew right there, uh-huh. they used to make fun of me because I was always around the old people. Like yeah. one of my best friends still to this day is Miss Nettie. That yes. is my heart. <laughs> that's my heart. Like we talk no. every so often. Like that wow. is, that's my ace. Wow. And it's always been that way. And and it's, it's like, you know, it's funny because a lot of times we are, you know, our elders you know, describe a lot of younger generations as someone has an old soul. Like there mm-hmm. may be one or two, they're like, yo, <laughs> and it's not a lot. You don't hear, everybody yeah. doesn't get bestowed. He has an old soul. Here you go, Sherrod. Yeah, Sherrod is, yeah, Sherrod, Sherrod gonna have us all over the place. And you, right. you listen, listen, you was grow basically, yeah. Sherrod. Um, but you had that old soul, bro. Like here you yeah. are, you, you got all kind of people calling you, calling you. You know, like calling you, yeah. fam, and it's like yeah. what? Like it was like a, it had to be a level of confidence of like I can make this happen. I was bold. I literally that was one of the things that I've I miss going going back. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes you have to remind yourself of who you are. You know, as you get older and you start to to you know get told or shown how life is, and um, you kind of forget that boldness that got you started. I had to remind myself. Um, not even, you know, not even getting cocky, but sometimes you do have to remind yourself of the things that you've accomplished. And that was, I was going to touch on that earlier is that, um, those that are purpose driven, we ne- we really don't focus on things the way we should. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that I did. I was always on to the next thing. I never took the time to actually just breathe, take in the accomplishments that I did. It wasn't about that. So it was always, you know, off yeah. to the next thing. Yes. And um, I just recently had to remind myself that sometimes you have to stop and like they say, smell the coffees or mm-hmm, smell the roses because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, otherwise you'll skate by and you'll never actually take in the amazing things that you've been able to encounter. Um, I didn't realize how some of the things that I did that was just in my heart and my spirit and, and just part of who I am actually touch people. So it's yeah. weird. I'm still the worst at taking compliments. It's awkward to me. <laughs> I don't like when people talk about me. Like or hearing somebody read a bio is like, ugh. It makes cringe? me cringe. Because I'm just like, for me, this is this is nothing. This is what I do. This is this is who God and ancestors put me here to be. So to me, it's nothing. This is just this is just my life. To other people, it's apparently it's something. Mm-hmm. True. So it's just weird. It's just weird. Like you, you know, True. you are literally living your purpose. You're yes. in your passion. Yes. And those yes. two, when they meet and collide, that's it's literally so the recipe yes. for yes. changing <laughs> everything. Word. So it's like yes. Yes. you don't know yes. or you're not even conscious of what you're doing. You're just literally living. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's been. It's, it's, it's weird. It, it, you know, it, it is it's magical it, it's one of those things and that's why you know that's why i love bringing these stories to life into the community because you know there's a lot of magic and purpose 
You know, mm, there's a uh, lot of, you know, we always say, find your purpose, find right. what you, but you know, yeah. and that it's, it's easy to say that <laughs> to people, you know, right. but, it is. Some, but it takes being open to listening to that voice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's funny that you say you had that. To do that, that reminds yeah. me. No, it just reminds me of, you know, I, like I said, I kind of knew what path I was going to head in. Um, but I had amazing people. As I'm talking, I'm thinking more. And I, I think about all the amazing people that literally had a part in shaping who I am. You know, sport. Sport was always yeah. a great role model, you know, because you learn what not to do because sport got in trouble for everything. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> I was, listen, I got sports stories that you would never believe. And, yeah. But real talk, it's funny that you said that because growing up, Sport was only not only not even a year, right. barely older than okay. me. Not that but he was always me. but he was always left in charge of us. Yeah. And he yeah. was always the responsible responsible <laughs> one left in charge of us. He was the yeah. he was he was the one who was able to cook. My grandma would be like, he could cook something. I had yeah. to sit around it like we couldn't cook. Hey, so sport, yo, that was sport. That was a big yeah. part. So when you just said that, mm -hmm. that's real talk. And that's how I yeah. remember him is being <laughs> that cousin leader. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's another one of my favorites, Lucky. I, and I'm thinking, like, every time we're talking and I'm mm -hmm. seeing things, they come up, we're living. Yeah, because, like, one of the one of my favorite people actually, there's a couple of them, there's a bunch of them, really. I have been blessed, I have literally interacted with everybody throughout the generation. Mm -hmm. Um, I was that weird kid because my grandmother, um, she was in Eastern Stars, she was in the Calanthe, mm -hmm. all of that, so I grew mm -hmm. up with all of that. Um, I used to help my grandmother run the bingo. So, Miss Joyce. Yes. All, <laughs> Joyce was Platt, of all. That yes. was yes. her. <laughs> then uh, Shakira's mom. Um, uh, was Pat? it Pat? Miss Pat. Yeah, Pat. Yes. 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 Those were my heart. They literally, and I got chewed out. I got cussed out. But it all shaped me. It was some of the funniest it times was. of my life. Was, you know, bro. just being around Miss Hutchison. You know, um, but my favorites were Lucky's mom, Miss Joyce. Miss Joyce. You know, and then also she was she was a staple. You had sisters in chat, mm -hmm. you know, sport uh, sporting <laughs> them back there. Lucky, like literally, I remember all of that stuff. So those were the things that literally taught us all the things that we didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot yeah. of us didn't have um active parents or some of the males in the in the community weren't available. We had the women that stood up, but we also had some of the the younger, yeah, older generation young, that yes. was there. Yes. You know, I had I had sport to look up to. I had um, Jason uh, to look up to. Th that Jason, whole yes. core right yes. there. Miss yes. um, yes. Alma. That was another one of my yes. favorites. Alma, like, yes, man. Her, Yo, you. <laughs> um, oh my God! Like literally. So this was the bingo crew. If yes. I did not call their their balls, their numbers that they were waiting on, I got it was out a, it was a problem. It hugged. was a problem. <laughs> Listen, it was the funniest thing ever. So I would get teased by them all the time, but I absolutely loved it. They were always amazing to me. Um, Let me ask you this, Eric. So Let me ask memories. you this, Eric. Real talk, brother. When did you realize that, like the way you speak now, mm -hmm. did you realize that about those folks then? Or did you later come to appreciate? I knew it. Was? No, I knew it. I was always drawn to the elders. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I don't know how. Um, they, I just knew there was so much, uh, there was so much wisdom and so much knowledge. It was just, I, I literally always wanted to be around them because, 
you learn the secret. Oh mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. See? It's it's stuff like that. It's those memories and every. Yeah. Oh man, I just yeah. I can't even that, tell you. I can't put it into words. I'm, I'm like. I, it's yeah. I'm, I'm ha- but but that's what I wanted to ask you that because there's a lot of times where there's some of us who we live a life and we it takes something to take us back to how important certain times were, and then there's yeah. others who are in the moment even at young ages are connected to the moment, and it I'm sounds thinking, like uh, that's where you were. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, like literally I'm, I'm laughing. My eyes kind of welling up a little bit because there's so many great memories that we really mm-hmm. life has made us forget. And like I said, a lot of times life does not allow us to reflect on these things until True. it's, you know, for a sad occasion. True. You know, it's, it's, yes. it's occasions like this yes. that we can come back and start thinking yes. about things. Yes. Like literally, yes. that's why I was laughing because I thought about I thought about Miss Joyce in one night, like literally the, the bingo thing. Like it was so many things that I cannot even explain to people. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. that was another way that I literally wound up being in front of an audience and getting past my fears a lot of people don't know but i'm shy most people would not believe it but i had to create a persona to deal with that because tyler perry and them forced me to be like that person that was um the intermediary between the studio and the audience Mm. you know we had some folks that couldn't handle like being personable they were like Mm. oh you're likable here you go ahead deal with that and i was just like oh my god you know but i had to create this personality for that and i was definitely afraid of being in front of audiences, but that was one of the gifts that I had, even with, I I remember having to do a youth message um, back at Second Baptist, and I just remember it was, it's always been something more than me. Mm -hmm. I've always known that there was something different about me, but I Mm -hmm. always knew that there was something that I had that it, it was almost like I could see myself outside of my body. And that was one of the experiences that I had. Um, and I still have the tape, the v, uh, not VHS, um, the cassette tape from that day. And a lot of that, it was almost as if I was above myself, hovering mm. above myself. Mm. And I remember seeing the reactions of people and it terrified me. But it was something that was speaking through me. Yes. And that's how it's been. That's how it's been literally my entire life, even to now. When it comes to you know doing my tours and stuff, it's it's like, it's it's wow. not me. It's I'm I'm just I'm is. just the vessel yes. that accepted yes. it. Um, but it's so much bigger than me. That yo, that is deep, and that was a youth message. You delivered, oh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, and you and you have a vision of delivering that message, but being so in the moment that. Mm-hmm. You had an outer body experience, like completely you were able to, yeah. to watch it. Wow. Yeah. That, that stuff like that used to scare me because I, I would remember, I would hear, yeah. and this sounds crazy to people, but this has just been my life. I would hear God tell me certain things and mm-hmm. then they happened. Mm-hmm. So it was always those type of experiences where he gave me the, the, the ability of foresight. And, um, So I knew things that would happen. Like I told you before, a lot of the stuff I saw ahead of time, he would give me glimpses of what my future would be. And I didn't know how I was going to get there, but he would say things to me kind of like Dr. Roy did that would make sense to a kid. You know, um, at 12, hearing a voice tell you that you have everything that you need to be a multimillionaire. What does that mean? (laughs) You know, (laughs) but it was just like, it was those things that I held on to that literally 
pushed me to go further. The first mm-hmm. thing that actually um, that pushed me to be something was something that um, was kind of meant to be hurtful, but it was mm-hmm. my motivation and anger at the time. And mm-hmm. that was because people would say, oh, you're going to be just like your father. Ooh. That was one wow. thing that was a, wow. a pain point for me. Um, because at the time I didn't have a good relationship with my father. My father mm-hmm. was, uh, was 21 when he had me, my mm-hmm. mother was 19. So they were teenage parents. They were y- growing up. They did, yes. you know, they were babies, yes. you know? So they entrusted myself and my older sister with my grandmother, my, uh, my father's mother. And so I was raised by my grandmother, my great grandmother. So mm-hmm. that was part of the, probably the wisdom and the, uh, you know, with the connection wow. with the elders, you know, my great grandmother was, uh, my grandmother was 40 when I was born and I think my grand, my great grandmother was 70 she was she was 70 years old when I was born so I literally had that and then my grandmother on my uh, my mother's side you know um, she just passed last year but I've had the yeah, core of yeah, my yes, yes. my foundation were my grandmothers yes yes you know so all it, of that it just in in yeah. it, it you know you said that piece about there was hurtful words like you're going to be mm-hmm. you know l- like your father you're going to grow mm-hmm. and you use that or that served as i'm not even going to say you yeah. used it because maybe you were no, conscious it was so no, it was I a did. conscious oh, use def- it. Okay. it was a conscious effort okay. yeah but okay yes and no yes and no but those words fueled me to make sure i was going to be different from my father okay. i wanted to make my name you know because it was mm-hmm. it was a thing of mm-hmm. You know, my my dad, they my my parents had gotten just like a lot of our parents, um, they had gotten caught up in the war on drugs. Yes. And basically, yes. you know, that's the nice way that to was, put it. That was the, the era. war on the black community. That was the era. Yes. You know, they got yes. caught up in that. Yes. So um, yes. you know, they were on you know, my, my parent both of my parents had been on drugs before. Um, they had their own battles. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God mm-hmm. they've, you know, passed that. They've uh, excelled past that. But at the same time, also, you know, my father didn't graduate high school. Actually, mm. neither one of my parents graduated high school. So, you know, I had all these things that I did not want to be known as. And I didn't want to be known as my father at that time because I didn't have um, I didn't have fond memories at that time because there was a time period where he wasn't there, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't know why. So a lot of that stuff stemmed from and this is a lot of things that we have to do um, the work with ourselves. You know, a lot of times kids internalize that as, you know, what was something wrong with me? So it's a self-esteem issue that you battle uh, along the way. But that was my fuel to get past, you know, that that one hurdle. And then once I got past that or I got to a place where I know I couldn't be compared to my father, I was like, well, what do I have now? What's next? Yes. (laughs) And then that's literally when I had to choose another motivation. You know, I had to come up with another reason for what was going to drive me to my next Mm -hmm. accomplishment or whatever it was. Bro, you just, you know, you, the language that you just spoke and motive in terms of motivation um, is so critical because sometimes we either have to create a sense of motivation and sometimes you make stuff up in your head. Absolutely. Like they don't want me to succeed. Like right. we, 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 you know, like sometimes mm-hmm. I, I do that, but then yeah. sometimes there are instances in life situations that we look head to head and we say, you know what? Nah. They can't get that. Or right. I'm I'm going to make sure that I show and prove the complete yeah. opposite of that. So you had to do a lot of unpacking because. Oh, the, yeah. Yo, 
Yo, like that's a lot oh, yeah. of you know, that's a lot of unpacking, man. Mm-hmm. And does does that happen over time? Is can you yeah. point to moments where you okay. felt in control of that? Like yes. Um college, um, graduating high school. A lot of things were going on at the time, though. That's the other thing. You know, I'm, I'm literally going on this this journey in my mind as well. You know, there's a lot of things that were going on around that time. And you never realize, excuse me, you never realize how resilient you are in the midst of what's going on. Because as you're living life, you're not really paying attention to what's going on per se. My senior year, um, my great grandmother was um, very, very sick. She wound up having to have her uh, her toe amputated then wound up having the foot amputated. And then eventually they had to amputate up to her, uh, her knee. And um, so all that was going on my senior uh-huh. year. Um, I remember having a conversation with her um, about her not being able to make it to my, um, my high school graduation. Okay. And I said, you know what? I, I let this slide because me and her were like this. That was my best friend. Uh-huh. And um, I said, I let this slide, but you have to be at my college graduation. And I said, I don't care whether you're dead or alive. You mm. have to be there. Mm. And she promised. So we'll get to that part mm. later on. But um, she wound up passing away my junior year. Okay. My junior year at Morehouse. And just like I said, I've always had a, a spiritual relationship with God, you know, past the religiosity, you know, past Mm -hmm. all that, you know, stuff. It's always been a spiritual experience for me with God and the ancestors. And, um, my, my college graduation was the day of my graduation. I woke up literally surrounded with the presence of my great grandmother. And I could not control myself. Like literally, I just cried. I couldn't even get myself together. And Morehouse, they like to have early morning uh, graduations. So it's probably like five o'clock in the morning. I got to be uh, there at six o'clock. But I, it literally took me almost forever to get myself together mm-hmm. because the, the thought that death, the afterlife, whatever, whatever she had to do to be there, she did. The energy was there. And that's what made me look at death so much more differently as opposed to the morbid, the end, you know, how mm, people look at it now, mm, you know, mm. just last year, my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother and, um, and my little cousin, Kenny, they died within four days of each other. And I had to take care of putting, you know, both of them away um, and planning the funeral, like literally everything. So that people were just like, how are you doing this? You know, I was in autopilot mode anyway. Most of it, I don't remember. Um, But in those times, we literally draw on, if you don't know, if you don't know God or have a a relationship with some type of higher being than yourself, Mm -hmm. um, there's no way you can make it in this world. You have to know that there's something higher than you. Yes. Yes. Whatever you call it, whatever you acknowledge it as, you have to know that much. And that was what helped me to get through that. But death was not death anymore after my experience with my great grandmother. I knew that there was still a place, there was still a, 
a, a space that we could interact with our ancestors and mm. also have that interaction with God. And that allowed me to know that. So death never became as final after that experience. You know, so dealing with the transition, and I like to, I like to refer to it as a transition because literally in life, that's what it is. After this one, there is a transition. You know, we may not know what it is exactly. We have beliefs of what it is, but I know it's not final. That's what I do know, you know? So it was just like instances like that, like literally having to plan. um, At that point, this this past summer, it was either have two funerals or do a double funeral where we put, you know, both loved ones away at the same time. And that's what I had to do. You know, my grandmother had nine kids. And um, she trusted me with it and they trusted me to be able to do it. So I literally just dealt with it, you know, still to this day. It's just like, I don't know. You know, people are just like, how'd you do that? I'm like, it wasn't me. I'm just, I'm just, yeah. You know, you tap into that energy and it's nothing you cannot do. And that's how I live my life. That is just in, I have to say, right. And I've had moments you talk about tapping in. And it's scary at first, because even when you when you speak of like, you know, of of listening, and that's why I said the voices are there, but Mm -hmm. it comes down to are we silent enough and are we at peace enough to hear the voice and tap it, you know? And because and, I'm a firm believer that I've always said, you know, like energy, I know energy can't be created or destroyed. So in some form of fashion, that energy is there. But then it comes down to, all right, are you able to tap into to right. that? You know, um, and it sounds like, yo, you made that promise. You you was like, you making me a promise, grandma. You know, and I don't know what you affectionately call, you know. Yeah, that was grandma. grandma. That's the only, right, look, that's the only okay. tattoo I have. Yeah. I actually have her name, her nickname tattoo, tattoo on my arm. Yeah. But that was, yeah, that was Graham. She literally came and they, like, it's so, to some people it might seem weird, but this is literally my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I know nothing Mm -hmm. different. This has been how it's been for me since probably between 8 and 12. That's the earliest that I remember. And that's, it's normal to me. You know, even when, exactly, you know, returning Mm -hmm. to the essence. But that's always Mm -hmm. been that, um, that experience. So I, I don't know anything different. So people ask me for explanations of things and I, I just give it to them as I know it. And they're just like, that's it. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, no, that, that's, that's really it. <laughs> oh, so, you know, in it's it, hearing this and that's why I always say knowing history is so important. Knowing your history, it brings so much context to the things that you're doing now. Yeah. It does. But, you know, and that's one of the things I never really thought about it. You know, Um, one of the first things that I did when I was um, when I was young was one of my first projects was actually tracing my family history. I always wanted to know who I was. Mm. So at eight years Mm. old, I started literally doing Mm. my, um, you know, tracing my family history. So I literally I bugged the crap out of my great grandmother. I literally kept a notebook, a wired uh, um, five subject notebook. And I would write down notes that I would get her and I would ask her all the time and would keep asking her different times until the point where she was like, if you don't get the hell out of my face, Is you know, that <laughs> and then I'd come back later on and be like, hey, so what was the name of the aunt that you remember? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. So mm. that's kind of how I became my family historian. You know, my father was the only child. My great grandmother only had two children. Um, so the, the immediate family was small. Um, you know, as as you know, 
opposed to my mother's side. My mother's side is huge. Sick. You know, my mother had uh, 10 siblings. And so that side was big, but the Majet side, the side that, you know, um, my last name, mm-hmm. you know, was mm-hmm. very, very, very small. And um, it wasn't until uh, probably about two years. So that was, that would have been around 2002 um, that um, all of that research would come back in handy. Um, back in the day before they had um, Ancestry.com, mm-hmm. they used to have the, the software. And I was amongst those early people from, you know, remember the uh, floppy disk and the hard yeah, disk or whatever. Disc, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was one of the early people that actually did a lot of that stuff and uploaded it to the, um, the server at the time. And that's what they used a lot of that, the new database that they've created. Uh, yes, to, yes, yeah, to generate, so all that early yes, genius, yes, the data. Exactly. Yes, yes. So all of us in that early time, so 10 years later, um, a lady that we had con- that I had connected with back in probably um, the late 90s, she reached out to my sister because I had moved out of Long Branch at the time. So she had found um, she had found my sister and my sister called me and said, hey, there's this lady that says she knows you from. Um, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was like Gene, Gene Webb, which stood for Genealogy Web or something uh-huh. uh, back then. And she was like, is it OK if I give her your number? I was like, yeah, fine. That's cool. So she called me and she said, hey, you remember the names and stuff you uploaded um, probably about 15, 10 to 15 years ago? I was like, yeah. She was like, well, I found out we are related. And I was like, oh, cool. So now to bring that back into context, wow. all the stuff that I had literally been bugging my great grandmother about after she died, two years after she died in, uh, I think it was 2004. No, no, she died in four. So it was 2006. We were able to bring together um, a part of my family that had been separated for almost a hundred years. And that was my great grandmother. They had moved up from Dothan, Alabama in 1915, um, to Long Branch. Well, actually they moved to Atlantic Highland first. So they had moved up there. But one of the things that happened before then, her mother's brother or her uncle, um, literally had to leave Dothan because he was accused of killing a white man in Dothan. And what he did was when he escaped or whatever, he took on the name of the guy that he was accused of killing. And then during the Great Migration, well, he went to Mississippi. And then during the Great Migration, he um, migrated up to uh, Illinois. Um, I think it was Peoria, uh, Illinois. So right outside of Chicago or whatever. And, um, you know, he had, he had lived there. Him and my great-great-grandmother had kept in contact. And then my great-great-grandmother um, wound up, she was babysitting the grandkids or whatever. And, and I think my cousin Phyllis had asked her a question. And they were up in a high rise in Newark at the time. So my great, great grandmother had opened up the window or whatever to answer, you know, whatever my cousin was asking her. And she wound up falling out the window. So she wound up dying in 1942. So the family got cut, you know, like literally cut, yes. you yes. know, um, from that point on. And it wasn't until literally here I come, however many years later, to resurrect you know, the story. And literally, piece we pieced together. together everything, and we wound up doing a family reunion for the first time uh, in almost 100 years. Yo, so that's kind of how I got started into history. Then from wanting to know who I was, realizing that portion, I traced it back as far as I could go. Um, then I wanted to know more about us as a culture. And that's kind of how it started with, you know, with Lena Horne, you know, wanting to know where she came from. Then I found out about, you know, um, Carmen Jones. And then mm, Darcy mm. Dandridge and everything. So I've always been a researcher. I've always been one that was digging and wanted to know more. And as I learned more, I literally just expanded. And that's kind of how I've got wow. to at this point where I have one of the world's largest traveling black history museums. <laughs> which is Yo, 
interesting in itself. <laughs> but it's you just unpacked so much because, like, Shiraz said, look, you're going to need two hours. <laughs> listen, well, Shiraz said that from the gate. Shiraz said, which she, I, I don't tell people who the next guest is going to be. Everybody finds out at the same moment, and when I put it on there. You know, Shirai was immediately like, bro, I hope you're ready. You're going to need another hour. You're going to need two hours, two shows, three shows. She <laughs> definitely did. She definitely did tell, you know, tell me that. And I knew that, too. But I just, you know, because a lot of times when we start saying know your history, right? When we say know your history, we we sometimes have and I'm generalizing. We sometimes mm -hmm. we sometimes look at our history as an African people. Um, and we or African American, you know, um, but meaning our history in this country, right. um, or if you look at ancient African civilizations, that's usually what we think about. Right. But sometimes, and, and I really believe it's important to start from your own genealogy and starting mm -hmm. from yeah. the folks in, in learning from your uncles, your aunties. Absolutely. Your granddad, yeah. your gr you know, and, and sometimes we skip that though, Eric. Like sometimes yeah. we go, we try right. to go far, far, far back and we yeah. fail to do what you did, you know? And I think that that's essential. Yeah. But you know, uh, learning a lot of that stuff, it, it really allows you to have a better understanding. A lot of us that had issues with our parents or whatever, if we took the time to get to know who they were as people, you know, now as adults, we can do that. It, and yes. and if, if you haven't done yes. it, it's, it's great time yes. to go back and do it yes. now yes. because we yes. begin to understand who they are as people, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get past the, the image of this parental figure that was supposed to know everything, do everything yes. right, blah, blah, blah. Yes. And that's where healing starts. Once you know who you are and you actually start to go through that, you see life through different lenses. You know, you're able to see some of the mistakes that our parents made and but understand how and why, you know, um, you understand what they didn't have, you know. So how can you expect somebody to be able to give you something that they were never equipped with, you know? So then you really start to see them as healing as, as human beings and the healing starts to take place from there. Yes. You know, you, yes. you get to see some of the struggles that they've had that they've never been able to deal with. And that's some of the reasons why they were numbing their pain with alcohol or drugs or whatever. Nice. You know, it's so many things that we tend to sweep under the rug and don't address um, as it relates to the black family. We were told to keep things, you know, secret. Yes. You know, there's certain things that our families have held, which has been a generational curse that we've continued on with, you know, and it was because they didn't have the tools to be able to handle those things. Mm. We don't know what our parents literally had to deal with. Yeah. You know, some of them that were raped, they were beat, mm -hmm. you know, had family mm -hmm. incest, all mm -hmm. these different things that literally, mm -hmm. if we took the time to ask questions, a lot of times the elders just want somebody to, to talk to. to, to just to you ask you never know what <laughs> yep. you're going to find out unless yes. you start that com that conversation, that dialogue. So true. So true. You know, we, yes, suppression. That's a whole nother thing. Yes. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's those things. But we as this generation that have tools that are equipped, you know, that said we wanted to be better parents than our parents were. It's up to us now to break these generational curses, mm. you know, to really. Right. Exactly. Sharad. What mm -hmm. stays in this goes on in yes, the house. The house stays. In yes. 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 Don't so you go talk about it. Yes. So yes. important that we break these curses because 
You know, it's it's a lot of stuff that still hangs over us and is is weight still on our shoulders. True. You know, until we talk about these things, nothing is going to change. You know, and then we're passing on these same things. Um, matter of fact, there's a, a scientist. Um, um, oh my God, I can't remember who it was. But also, even Michelle Alexander in um, mm-hmm. in her book, she talks about how you know. Um, is it the Jim Crow? Trauma one, is or, no. Uh, the, um, uh, come on, Eric. Um, mm, it escapes me. I got it literally on my desk right now. Okay. But it's um, she talks about how trauma is passed down and even other you know people have spoken about it but trauma can be encoded in your dna but also Mm -hmm. i had this conversation the other day if trauma can be passed down and i think they said uh i think the the scientist or uh, a person that actually spoke about it i think they were um psychiatrists i can't remember what they were but literally they said it can be passed down for seven generations generations yes yes the issue is if that is true which it is, we know it is, because they've already tested the DNA and can said that mm-hmm. you know trauma still is in the mm-hmm. system and is encoded. So if that can be passed down, then brilliance can be also. Yes. yes. You know, and that's one of the yes. things that we we have to let our kids know. Once you know who you are, knowledge of self is absolutely everything that you need to be able to excel yes. in this world. Even with the stacks of things that are against us, against us. the yes. reason why we are a threat is because of what is encoded in our DNA. Yes. Not just the trauma, not just the things that, you know, we had to endure, but that's mm-hmm. also one of the things that made us so great that we could survive mm-hmm. anything. You know, yes. they say, you know, we like roaches, we don't die, we multiply, we just multiply. like literally, survive. We, yes. we can survive yes. anything, like yes. literally, you know, yes. so that's one of the other things. We have a, a determination that is un, unworldly. It's literally a whole deeper level if, if and that's why i said if somebody has to believe more than just themselves they have to believe in some type of higher mm-hmm. power because mm-hmm. the, the the stuff that we've had to it, endure as a people there's no way you can make it without anything higher to, than yourself and to connect to it and and it, it's funny because it reminds me of dr joy uh the group yeah is that what you're talking about yes. okay all right the so post um, yes that's, yes yes, yes. yes. So yes. Michelle <laughs> yes. Is the other book Yes. 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 Post-traumatic exactly slave syndrome. Right. Uh, yes. Dr. Joy DeGruy. And I don't know if she. Mm-hmm. Yes. But but her yes. research is you. You just broke it Major. down. Yeah. You. But that code in that code, there is the trauma. But yes. within it is also the brilliance Absolutely. and unlocking that code. And that's why when you speak about Dr. Roy, because mm-hmm. Dr. Roy was able to see the brilliance. Oh, yeah. And she oh, was yeah. like, well, let me tap in. Let me download that program oh, yeah. because there's different programs we can download. We Absolutely. can download the traumatic program. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can download the Definitely. brilliance program. So it, and, and that's why the folks that we put in front of our children are so important because those folks can now download different operating systems within right. our children. And Absolutely. if we keep downloading trauma, trauma, pain, hurt, abuse, addiction, yes. That's what we keep getting out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yo, when when you when you break it down that way, bro, and you talk about tapping in, you talk about learning your history, and you also talk about healing. That you that spoke to me, fam, because there's a lot of you know, a lot of us got our backs against the wall mm-hmm. based on our relationships we have with our parents. Yeah. <laughs> like 
See, that's major though, because we don't realize how all these things tie into, you know, relationships, why you have yes. broken relationships. Yes. These are all things that we have to deal with. Like yes. we may not think that we have scars, but if you don't literally deal with it, every time something triggers you, you're going to automatically revert back to that same situation and you'll feel like that child again. That's because yes. you have not healed that child. And one of the situations that you actually spoke of really reminded me of that. It was a question that you said um, earlier that, you know, what would you tell, you know, your younger self mm -hmm. or whatever? Mm -hmm. Those mm -hmm. are the things that we have to do. If we're not talking to that child who's never been healed, that's trapped, that still is sitting in the corner trembling. We don't deal with that stuff. And that stuff will always show its face again. Yes. It's a cycle that never ends. Yes, and it's up to us to heal that. So that one of one of um a, a gentleman, Dr. Cole, he always says, you know, um, trauma doesn't go away; it goes dormant. Mm -hmm. And oh yeah, if That's if it's good. not dealt with, mm -hmm. it's gonna find itself back on the surface Absolutely. five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. And then folks will say, I wonder why, you know, that happened. Right. I wonder why he did that. She did that. You know, mm -hmm. why she do that to her children? And it's like, yeah. was there trauma that went unaddressed? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yo. And yo, like I, even our parents, I, our parents haven't, you know, had that. Like mm -hmm. I said, most of them mm -hmm. weren't equipped with the tools that we have now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them are still in pain. Yes. Yes. You know, yes. our grandparents, yes. all the things that they've had to endure, there's a story. And that's one of the reasons why it's important to know our history, because you never know what what you might be. Um, yes. You know, just what might be passed yes. down, yes. you know, all and the you things that you might literally be a trigger yes. for you. Yes. You know, yes. alcoholism, yes. addictive behavior, yes. all of those yes. things. You know, if yes. you don't know, you just don't know. Yes. But you and, see these patterns. Mm. And, and, and it's sometimes we don't know and we don't want to ask. I, I remember, I remember, Eric, real talk. I was, my grandmother, you know, um, I just got a, something told me in the year that my grandmother died, the February that my grandmother Pauline died, mm -hmm. something told me, go get a video camera, mm -hmm. go film an interview, yeah. grandma, right? Yeah. So I get a camera. That whole and it go that July and that August. Every Sunday, I go to her house. I take a notebook because she was deaf, yeah. hard of hearing. Yeah. I take a notebook and I write down all of the questions, and she starts, you know, answering them. And I have footage yeah. because my what one of the things that inspired me to do that was a my daughter was young at the time; she was only one or two, one, and yeah. I knew that there was a chance that she would never meet right. my grandma. Yep. And and then also a part of me was like, I wanted to know more. And I yep. got to tell you, it, it, after my grandmother started answering questions, it was almost like something went off like, what are you doing with, with this? Mm -hmm. And she was like, you trying to do a family tree? She asked me, she was like, are you trying to do a family? And there were some things that she was guarded yeah. against answering. She would start answering it and she'll yeah. start laughing. Almost yeah. like, all right, I ain't going yeah. all the way. It would trigger the pain that. or whatever. It <laughs> yes. Was. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And it was like, you know, and I still have that footage mm -hmm. and it's like, so it, it, it's, it's so powerful, you know, yeah. because what you're doing now is that is your, your, you are rekindling us being historians and us mm -hmm. downloading 
and making sure that we are being keepers of our own history and that we're renewing that history and we're keeping it in our collective memory. Because I really think that that's, I really think that that's where we fail because I think that there's a lot of great people out there who oh, yeah. are part of our genealogy, our lineage, mm -hmm. who we forget what they did, how they did it, and yeah. we think we got to reinvent the wheel. Reinvent the wheel, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I've done what I've done. Um, as it relates even to, wow. you know, just what we're striving for now. You know, people think we're, we're trying to get um, civil rights. Civil rights mm -hmm. is the second step. We bypassed the first mm -hmm. and most important thing is human rights. Mm -hmm. Garvey was yes. talking about that back in the 19 teens and 20s. Yes. You know, Malcolm X picked yes. up on it because his parents were Garveyites. Yes. They actually yes. were the president yes. and, 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 and secretary of the UNIA in, um, in their hometown. You know, so all this brilliance, they, it didn't have to be, you know, recreated. A lot of it was just passed down. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. nothing that we have to recreate. We have the answers to everything that we need. It's just remembering it. And actually yes. just kind of re, just rekindling that relationship with our history. That's and that's it. the only way to do it. And that's one that's of my responsibilities as um, having the weight of that responsibility uh, given to me by Dick Gregory. I had always thought of myself as like the gatekeeper of our history. But it wasn't until he said the specific words. And I'll send you the link to the video. Um, I sat with him his last tour. Um, I filmed his entire last tour, so I've got 10, 10 shows worth of footage. And then me and him sat down one-on-one -on -one for six hours, and I just filmed the whole uh, entire thing. Uh, and um, that's where – it wasn't until he said – it was so funny because I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God, I hope this man does not rip me to shreds like he has done other people. Yes. I was like, oh, yes. God. He said, look, this is where you're important. I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, <laughs> just like everything he said, I was just listening. I was like, oh man, is this the moment that he's going to cuss at me? Like cuss me out? Like what's going on? And he says, I've never met anyone. And he, this was his pausing and everything. It's so mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Black that, that understand, that can break it down and research it mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. And he says, I've waited for someone like you to come along. Like I'm listening to this. And then he says, you will be the keeper of the jewel. Cool. Yes. And at that moment in the background, if you listen, you'll hear me gasp wow. because it was almost as if somebody punched me in my stomach. I already had the feeling like I had, unfortunately put it like that, I felt like I had the weight of the world on me because mm -hmm. I felt like I was mm -hmm. the, you know, the gatekeeper of the history. But when he said that, I was just like, all you heard was, <sighs> like yes. the breath going out of my body. I was like, oh my God. Yes. This is, right. Yo, I, I I read that. Oh, and, and you know what's funny? Um, not to cut you off. Go but ahead, actually no, cut me yesterday, off. <laughs> I literally just got back. Um, I got back my trademark papers. So I actually own the trademark to the Keeper of the, the, keeper of the Jewel. Yeah, so that just fine. After a whole year of process, that just came back yesterday. Wow. Yo, yeah. that, yo, that had to be like, like Dick Gregory? Yeah, it's. How did hold on? How did that all come about, though, Eric? Like, um, he was coming to town, and um, I wanted to meet him or whatever. So I just um, I hit up the promoter, and I told him what I did, and um, they was like, oh yeah, definitely, you know. So they they set it up the first time. That was that was uh, a year before he passed away, and so I sat with him then. He he was one that 
you had to earn his trust. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't yes. like, you couldn't yes. just like, he was, he had to fill you out. And so that first year he was like, nah, I don't want to be on camera. So um, mm. I had my tape recorder. So he's like, oh no, you can tape record, but you know, I just don't want to be on yet. camera. Yet. Yeah, yeah. So we had the conversation and I started pulling out items. You know, he was uh, very, very close friends with um, Dr. King and uh, Malcolm X and all these people. So yeah. I pulled out Malcolm X's Bible that I have. It was the last time that he signed his name as Brother Malcolm X because he completed the Hodge the next day. So I show him the Bible and he, he's looking at it. And <laughs> so you have receipts. Up. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. It really is amazing. So showed him that. But yeah. that response has been yeah. uniform amongst everybody else that I've you know shared this experience with. I got. And it's so funny because God and ancestors set up these situations where you don't even expect it. I had no clue, but they, they trained me early on because I said it was almost kind of like Moses and Aaron situations. It's like, Oh, but I can't, I can't speak well. I stutter, you know, I'm slow of speech, you know, all these different excuses. And it was just like, no, this is just what it's going to be. So finally I got to it. Yeah. Finally I was just like, all right, well, Lord, if you set it up, I'll speak, I'll do whatever I got to do. And that's what those situations were. So this one time I was working with um, one of my friends that called me. She's like, hey, what are you doing? Are you working right now? I was like, "Eh, no, I kind of want to take a break. She's like, no, you need to come do this this show with me. I was like, all right, cool. Didn't even ask nothing about it. Didn't ask the money, none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. My homegirl, Jakari, she called me. And uh, so I show up and it's a Dave Chappelle special. And so I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, we go over, the producers are just like, hey, they're telling everybody, look, don't talk to the talent. You know, don't yeah, look at yeah, them. Don't yeah, say yeah, nothing yeah, to yeah. them, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. That's no problem. <laughs> I've been doing this for years. So You know what? Yeah, you know how it go. Yeah. So I'm, you know, just me. People talk to me and I'm, you know, very um, approachable and we're talking. And I'm talking to this guy, which I think is Dave Chappelle's um, bodyguard. So we chopping it up every night. Um, I think we did... It was a week, if I'm not mistaken. And we did like, we taped probably about four to seven shows or something, right? And each night they had Talib Kweli and um, Mm -hmm. Mostaf. Yeah. They they opened up, they did the the um, intermission. And I'm sitting there talking to the guy, and I think probably the second or third night, he's like, So what do you do outside of this? I was like, Well, you know, I've got this museum or whatever. And then, you know, I do consulting on the side, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Wait, 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 hold on. You do what? You have what? I said, well, I got a little museum or whatever. I do stuff on the side. And he was like, no, no, no. Tell me more about this. So I started telling him stuff. He was like, man. I was like, yeah. And then I started telling him some of the stuff that I had. And he said, oh, my God. Dave's favorite is Muhammad Ali. You got any Muhammad Ali? I was like, oh, yeah. Got a huge Muhammad Ali collection. He was like, I want you to bring some in because I want you to show Dave. And my face goes like this. I'm like, but I can't do that. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, no, you're trying to get me fired. Yeah. <laughs> so we he was just like just talent. bring the stuff. Right. He's like, just bring the stuff. I was like, okay, cool. Right. So and this is the Sticks and Stones uh one that we just won a Grammy and a, a Emmy for. Okay, I think it was. all right, yes, yes. So yes, it was that yes. one. So we're on this one and the next day he says he says, Hey, E, I want you to go in and I want you to show Dave everything. I said, Well, I'm working. You know, I can't go right now. And, <laughs> and he was like, just go in the room. So I go in there. I was just like, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. They told us not to talk to me. He said, motherfucker, this is my show. <laughs> <laughs> they do what I say. And I was like, you have Hold on. So this is you and Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yeah, this is me and Dave Chappelle. No. And I'm just like, you're right. This is your show. And the whole time, right at this point, 
they're calling me on the walkie. So the manager goes outside, which I thought was the uh, the bodyguard. Uh-huh. He goes outside. He's like, leave him alone. He's with Dave, blah, blah, blah. Nobody said anything to me after this. So I'm terrified anyway because I'm just like, this has got to be crazy. Like, I'm about to get fired. I'm about to be blackballed, all this stuff. <laughs> wow. Nobody said nothing to me. So I'm showing now Dave Chappelle all of this Muhammad Ali stuff. And come to find out he's like a huge Muhammad Ali fan, like collects. He even has his own like, you know, little museum or whatever. He's, he's also a big Superman fan. So he has a lot of the early Superman stuff. So we're going through this. And I said, you know, I have some stuff I want to show you also. I want to show you Marcus Garvey. I said, uh, but in my mind, this was all a setup because I was just like, okay, cool. God, you open the door. I'm finna knock so it now down. A, yes, yes, yes. So I pull out my um, I pull out my Black Star Line stuff. I said, oh, I want to show you some stuff. You may not have ever heard of it. I know he knew. You know, I was yes. like, yeah, I've got some Marcus Garvey stuff I want to show you. I got some Black Star Line stuff. He's like, you got what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I got some stuff I want to show you. So I pull it out, and I went straight for the juggler, um, because I've got the world's largest comprehensive Marcus Garvey collection in the world. Like his son is one of my mentors. His, his, there's only one living son left. The oldest son just died um, in December. And um, it, it's funny because two, about two weeks ago, um, Dr. Garvey called me and he said, you know, I was just, no, I called him to check up on him. And he says, I was just thinking about you yesterday. I said, oh, mm-hmm. oh, cool. Okay, mm-hmm. what's up? And he's like, well, I got a call from the government of Ethiopia and Ghana. And they want to mm-hmm. do a, um, an exhibit honor my father. He says, well, you know, we have nothing. So the first person I thought of was you. <laughs> uh, He's like, so are you interested? I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's figure something out. You know, so that was, that was crazy. But getting wow. back to that, so I pulled out this piece, right? And I went straight for the, I went straight for the juggler. For I was it, like, yeah. yeah, let me show you this. I pull out this platter. He's like, what is this? I said, this is Marcus Garvey's platter that he ate off of while he was on the Black Star Line. Yo, and he blurted out something I ain't gonna say because I already cussed by accident and didn't even realize. <laughs> it's all good, fam. It's he's all like, good. then he picks up the phone. He was like, "Hold on." He picks up the phone. He calls most death. I was gonna say, I, I do because yo, I, I was, I knew it was coming there. I knew it was yeah. coming there. Yeah. So he calls him. Now, mind you, you know, most death does not live in the country. Yes. He yeah. lives. Uh, he lives yeah. between um, Spain and um, North Africa. So. He's telling him, he's like, hey, I need you to come back to the theater. He was like, well, I'm at the airport. You know, I'm about to get on the plane to go back, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, I need you to come now. So he turns around. He gets back to the theater and they tell me to go into the room. I was like, I got to get back to work. They're calling me on the radio. Like, I've got to go. And he's like, no, go in the room. So I go in there. Right. And (laughs) so I take all this stuff. I'm showing them the Muhammad Ali stuff. I'm like, I'm going to build this up. I'm going to give him this experience. So he's like overwhelmed. You can see it in his face. He's kind of like, you know, doing this and he's kind of like looking around. Right. And then I said, well, I said, I got something else I want to show you. (laughs) Now, knowing that he's a devout Muslim, I didn't even get to the garbage stuff. I went straight to the Malcolm X Bible. Mm. Mm. No, no, no. That actually happened last. No, I showed him the uh, the Marcus Garvey stuff. I showed him the platter. Now, by this time, he sits down. And so you got you like, got all of his attention now. Oh, right? oh yeah. I literally knocked him out. He was sitting down in the chair and he's just shaking his head and everything. And I was just like, you know, oh, I was like, oh, that's not it. I got I got some more stuff I want to show you. So I started pulling out more stuff, showed him some of the signed certificates by Marcus Garvey, 
you know, with the black line, star, um, the, the black, black star line. line. Yeah, yeah, black star line. So yeah, he's seen yeah. it. He's like, man, he's like, man, you don't even <laughs> understand. And I'm just like, no, I think I do. You know, so then I said, oh, yeah, that's not it. I said, there's something else I want to show you. So I pulled out the Malcolm X Bible, like I told you, with Dick Gregory. I said, this is Malcolm X's Bible that he had with him on his eyes. This is the last time that he complete. This is the last time that he signed his name as Brother Malcolm X. Because the next day he completed his Hajj and assumed the name El Hajj Malik al So I had that conversation. He, and his mouth just drops open. Blue as And I take, I take the Bible out of the sleeve. And he's looking at me. At this point, he can't even lift his head because he's staring at the pages. And he does like Dick Gregory does. And he runs his fingers over the top of the signature. And I said, you know, in my excitement, I'm like, can you please tell me? I, and I'm just yeah, babbling. Yeah, like, literally, I'm yeah, just going like a yeah. million miles. Tell me what you're feeling. You know, I, I've had this experience. Everybody, I just want to hear from you, from your mouth, what you're feeling. And he looks up at me and he has tears coming down his eyes. Damn. And I said, I get yeah, it. Yeah. Bro. And I was like, yeah. Bro. You. Yeah. You. It reminds me of, I think the French call it the griot, right? Mm. A storyteller, right? Mm -hmm. And in the African, you know, West Africa, it was the joli, which mm -hmm. translate to the Bambara people as the blood. Mm -hmm. The joli was the storyteller. It was the person who kept the history alive. And it was said, and it was, it translates to blood. <laughs> yeah, they coming, right? Because... <laughs> When the blood stops, the body dies. Everything ceases. Mm -hmm. And what you like the, the goosebumps I got from hearing that story is because you're just given life. Mm -hmm. your, your search for history is given life. And, and that is when you start talking about when, when we stop telling our history, learning our history, renewing our history, we die. We, we, the very sense of it is death, you know? And that's why when, when folks is crying, it's because, yo, you, it's resurrection. It's straight yeah. resurrections happening, you yeah, know? Literally. Yo, I'm, and people the, in the most important part about, oh, wow. Yeah, the most important part about it is, is that these are once in a lifetime situations that people, mm -hmm. you never really get to interact with your ancestors. Mm. And having these pieces, everywhere I go, I make sure that I invoke the presence of our ancestors. Yes. Wherever I am, they know they're, they're so welcome. Important. So you know, important. So that is the major part. So it's just like, you know, in, in the invocation when we're in church and we're invoking the Holy Spirit, telling them mm -hmm. that, you know, the you, same, you, yes. you, it's, yes. it's the same yeah. thing with our ancestors. Yes. Yes. And every time I do an exhibit, it never fails, whether they're, you know, the blackest of the black or whether the whitest of the white. Everybody has this experience that they cannot quantify. They can't put it into words. They can't articulate it. They're just like, I don't know what it is, but it's 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 something I can't describe. I said, I know. It's the interaction with the ancestors. It's That's the blood. What it is. It's the blood. And it's funny because one of my favorite songs growing up in the church was I knew it was the blood. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, that's what it is. It's 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 the blood that that's what's you know that is it and that's what happens and right now there's folks on this like you see the chat people are like they mouths are wide open but they're and it's being so fed. weird because everybody here 
pretty much everybody here I've known my entire life. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because a lot of people have fussed at me. Sherrod was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. Because I don't really talk about what I do. I'm kind of one of those people like the ancestors. You know, it was like, you did everything you did in silence. You just, you do what you got to do and keep it moving. And I'm trying to get out of that because Sherrod and them literally, Sherrod, Monet, they literally got on me. Even when I was just, you know, producing a lot of my shows, you know, the festival that I did in Vegas and stuff, Mm -hmm. like, Everybody wants to support, but for me, it was, it was not a thing of, cause I always felt like, I always felt like people would think I was bragging. So mm-hmm. I never really said mm-hmm. some of the things that I did. And, um, it was, I had to come to terms with that, with, with that situation. And, um, as I'm comfortable with it now, I don't mind sharing what mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. because yes. of what it does. It's building our people. Exactly. But, and I'm at a point in my life where I'm just like, look, if people think I'm bragging, they don't know me. You know, yes. I've, I've been the same. Everybody will tell you I've been exactly the same since I was a kid. I have not changed. I've done. I've worked with the best of them. I work with the who's who of Hollywood, mm-hmm. um, black Hollywood, our history. I'm the same. Nothing can change me. I've had I've made a, a Excuse my language. I've made a shit ton of money and I've mm-hmm. spent a shit ton of money. Um, a lot of people don't understand. Now, as it relates to this, it, it was a major sacrifice. Every dime I've ever earned, I've spent buying back our history. Mm-hmm. I've spent hundreds wow. of thousands of dollars wow. buying back our history. Wow. So much so that I stopped counting once it hit a certain number because I literally started to suffer yeah. from depression. Yeah, I ain't even gonna lie. But when yeah. I realized how much I spent, um, you know, you always, you're all, a lot of times we find ourselves comparing ourselves to other people. And at one point, I was just like, I could have done so much more. I could have made more impact. I could have more to show for what I've hmm. accomplished, what I've done. But then I realized the impact that I had that I didn't know. You know, I just did what was in my soul and my spirit. It was an obsession. Um, You know, it was like I had a lot of people and you touched on this and I was going to go to this. But one of the major things that we've gone wrong as a culture was we always gave up our birthright. Um, We gave up our heirloom. When auntie so-and-so or grandma died, we literally come on goodwill, come get this. You know, we took a couple hundred dollars, get that. Or just told them to clear out everything. You know, so that was one of the things that we failed at. And what we did was we robbed ourselves and our family members of our heirloom. But what happened was when the, when the, um, I always give this illustration. So when goodwill come, they come give you a couple hundred dollars. If that, mm-hmm. you know, then they take it to, you know, a broker yep. or even a, a antique Raised. shop, you know, yes. unload it. So yes. then they get, you know, make a little money yes. off of that. So say, yes. say they gave you $300 to clear out your grandmother's house. Right. They went to now the um, antique shop or whatever, mm-hmm. special arts dealer, whatever. They sold that for a thousand. At least, yes. Right? So they, they, you know, so now they yes. come up, right? Then the dealer then takes it to an auction house. Yes. The auction yes. house then either yes. consigns it for them, yes. and they make twenty five thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. And then you had me, which I felt like at the time I was the sucker that came in was spending all the money. You were late. You were the last one in line. I was the last yes. one that paid the most. Yes. Um, but it's something that I don't regret now. You know, um, I've been able to figure it out because it all happened when I when I started teaching, when I left the industry, 
um, down here because I was drained. I literally, it felt like, it felt like I was lost. It felt like I just literally had the essence just drained out of, you know, working 15 to 18 hour days, nonstop four or five years, you know, and then not really having anything monetarily to show for it. That was another major thing. But even though I did, because I took all the money I made, I, I invested it wisely, you know, but at the same time, that was something that was going to mature or um, um, appreciate over time, yes. you know, like a real asset. Um, but I, I didn't know at the time, you know, I had no idea. And I was in my apartment after I moved out of New York. I had moved across the bridge into East Orange and I was in my apartment. And the voice said to me, look around you. So I started looking around. I'm like, okay. I was like, oh, wow, I got a little museum here. And then the voice said to me, what good is it doing here? And I was like, really? You got to hit me like that? Like, come on now. Give me me a little grace. But And then from that moment on, that was 2013. That was 2013. And ever since 2013, I had been building um, to get to this space where I am now where you know, I've been traveling and sharing uh, the history with as many people as I can. And making new history. Yeah, so you so. must, yo, let me ask you this. This mm-hmm. is, because hearing this, it, it reminds me, I mean, I fell in love with the uh, the Lovecraft country. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot I of what you're, that, yo, because a lot of what you're saying, it was like this blend of our history. Yeah. Um, and then it was like this mystic, you know, mm-hmm. feeling in it. Um, and then, you know, when we came up, a lot of times we were afraid of the stories that our grandparents or great grandparents told because they would tell those stories of down in the South. And sometimes right. they were they were creepy stories to us. Yeah. So when I'm watching that show, it's kind of like bringing all of these things into like a gumbo of like, all right, here it is. And when I'm hearing you talk about history, Yo, it makes me think of, you know, that show, like, and what it, and, and I think, I think that show put a lot of folks onto, like, I got to research because it was one of those shows that if you did, if you weren't aware of certain references, you had to go then that week and look mm-hmm. them up. Yeah. So, yeah. brother, this is what I got to ask you. Mm-hmm. All right. Real talk. Have you ever been back to speak to the youth in Long Branch? Yeah. I come back every year. Okay. Um, they How do you do it? For the last two years. Um, and then this year, um, I wound up doing virtual. But yeah, okay. I've been back. Um, yes. Yep. Sharad, Thank you. Yep. We did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I've been back. Um, uh, what, was, what year? This is 20, 2021. I guess the first year might have been 19. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. I yeah. just want to make 2020, sure. <laughs> I came Listen. back and um, I did exhibit at the middle school. And then uh, they wanted to do it again this year, but because of COVID, we, we had everything going something on. different. Okay. So I wound up doing nice. um, a virtual and um, actually giving some video content that I'm doing for curriculum that I'm building on our history. Um, I then they bought some um, some video curriculum to test out with the school um, for this year. And then That's also uh, part of the agreement was also to speak at um, the African American Cultural Club. Um, meeting at the middle school. So I just did that. Uh, Yo, the 10th, the 10th, I think it was. That That's what's up. 
I just wanted yeah. to make sure because yeah. I was like, if not, we gotta make sure that that's happening yeah. because yeah. these are yo. This is this is what this is what we need, bro. This is this is so what we need, man. I'm I'm like this is one you know one of those episodes where I'm just I'm blown away, you know. And I, and and my and the guests that come onto this show and share their stories, like their stories speak to different folks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I try to be as diverse as possible on bringing the folks on, because I think that we all have these stories in us. And I know you appreciate that. We all yeah, have yeah. these collective stories in us that yeah. need to come out. What you blessed us with tonight, bro, is, no, I'm I'm humbled, man. Like, I, I'm just... <laughs> it's been a lot. It's been a lot, bro. Let me, let me, if folks want to, I got the website up on, on, um, on, on the, on the, on the screen here, uh, black history archives.com. Um, if folks, if you want to get at Eric on Instagram, you can reach him, uh, here, uh, the Mr. Majestic, please, yo, get at this brother. It's, it's so much, bro. What, what, if you, I want to, I want to hit this, this, uh, this this advice to our high school self right um yo i don't know where it's going to take us but one (laughs) one of the things that you know that i like to ask guests is if you could go back and you know in time and give advice to your high school self what that advice would be and why Um, I would say I would go back to my, uh, my high school self and I would tell him to always believe in yourself. Never question what you know God has put in you Mm. and never lose your boldness. Mm. I would say that because Mm. as you grow older, life has a way of dulling your light and also you can get lost you can lose yourself in you know trying to be a good servant or a good steward over the things that you've been entrusted and a lot of times it just reminds me of like literally i had to remind myself of this um at the end of the year i had a i work i worked a pretty good amount of covid um, mm-hmm. in the film and TV industry, you know, everybody else across the world was shut down in film yes. and television, but we were able to stay open. Um, one due to protocols, um, this is afterwards. So I think we started back up in June or July. It's kind of a blur, like literally it's, it's a blur, but I transitioned from being my own boss for many years. And then going overseas, I moved out of the country in 2016, moved over to China, you know, um, did some amazing things over there. You know, I taught for six months and then from there, hey, Mo, um, and then from there I set out because one of the things that this is a whole nother episode, my God, Uh, (laughs) one of the things I did while I was over there, I went over there with the intentions of creating international trade lines for black businesses. Um, in the industry, a lot of my friends are uh, the wardrobe stylists, hairstylists, all this stuff. And I got tired of hearing them say like, oh, you know, there's a subsect of the community that literally um, there's 
a group that controls all of our resources as it relates mm-hmm. to the stuff in this industry. And the money doesn't go back into our, our communities. And um, I said, well, why don't you cut them out, get direct to the factories yourself, and then you can increase your profit margin. That's just, you know, the businessman. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what my degree yes. was from at Morehouse. Um, business administration with a concentration in management. So I automatically go, you know, when you go back to, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, go back to what you know. Yes. And so I'm like this, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, just go ahead and cut them out. It was like, oh, you can't do that. I said, oh, you can't. Okay. So my homegirl, um, we have been friends. She was actually my Spelman sister. Um, she went to Spelman. I went to Morehouse. And um, it's funny because when you first come in as freshmen, um, they take a Spelman, Spelman woman and a Morehouse man and they um, pair you guys together. And that's, you know, supposed to be your friend or whatever for life. And that is what it has been. Like, literally, we've been friends still to this day. I spoke at her school. She's a kindergarten teacher. She's the one that actually made me um, become a kindergarten teacher. She bullied me and uh, (laughs) would not, (laughs) literally, not give up. She would not give up. And I was just like, well, what, why do you think that they want somebody with a film and TV background to become a kindergarten teacher? She's like, well, they're looking for non-traditional. She's like, they're looking for non-traditional students. Yes. I mean, non-traditional teachers. And I was just like, okay, whatever. So she, she literally stayed on top of me um, for probably two or three months. And then I was just like, all right, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which resume do you want? She was like, she was like, um, just send all of them. I was like, okay, cool. I just sent all of them. And, um, immediately they started recruiting me literally Mm. this was i think that was thanksgiving uh weekend or thanksgiving break and they called me literally on thanksgiving wanting to do an interview i was like don't y'all have don't don't y'all have a life i didn't know i should have caught on but that was a whole nother story what was going on yes no we don't have lives (laughs) right exactly (laughs) and um so saying all that to say all that time from when we graduated and she started, she literally went over to China, um, I think right after graduation. And um, she had been back and forth teaching over there for years. And she had been trying to get me to come visit for like 10, mm-hmm. 15 years. And I never had the time because at the time I was working for Tyler Perry. I started working for him my senior year. Yeah, my senior year. So my li- literally my senior year of college, this was the first semester too. I had... Um, what year is this, Eric? Senior this is, year for you. Uh, this is my second senior year because uh, I changed my major. So this is 2006. 2006, okay. 2006, All right. yeah, 2006. All right. I was supposed to graduate in 05, but my grandmother died. My great-grandmother died in 04, so I took a year off. Okay. I think it was a whole, I don't even remember if it was a whole year, but I took, um, it was either a year or a semester off. And then I changed my major once I came back. And then I, okay. you know, so finished it, up yeah. or whatever. Um, so... So you're working with Tyler Perry first year. Working for him, literally, full t- I, I was a full-time student and a full-time employee. Mm. I still have no idea how, how I did, did that. that. Yeah. yeah. And that's wow. funny because my old boss, who's a good friend of mine now, um, she said to me, she said, you have no excuses. You literally were a full-time student and a full-time employee. Like, yeah, there's nothing you can't yeah, do. And I was just like, okay, yeah, yeah. but that's not, that's, this is not the place to throw it in my face when you want more work out of me, you know? <laughs> One of those situations. <laughs> but um, after that, I wound up um, leaving the industry. Um, I retired for eight years from film and television. I went back in, I taught for two years in Brooklyn um, as a kindergarten teacher. And then I went back into my first love, which was entertainment. 
And that's where I made the bulk of my money, um, you know, booking celebrities, mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. stuff for concerts and appearances and stuff like that. And during that time, she came to me and she said, she said, you should think about coming. And this is 2016. She, you should think of come about, you should think about coming to China. Like China, what? <laughs> nah, mm-mm. And then <laughs> literally she was just like, no, you really should consider it. And I was just like, that's not even possible. I don't know the language. Um, and then right now, Trump had just gotten in, I think. And um, I was so like, right now, the, the I don't whole, even yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The political like, climate wasn't, yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like, yeah. they ain't even going to approve that. So I don't have to worry about that. And I, I grappled with it. Actually, I didn't even really think about it. She hit me back up a week later and was like, you really need to think about it. And I was like, I don't even know what that looks like. Hmm. So from that moment where I actually started thinking about it, she gave me a, a website to go on and to upload my resume. And I put it out there, didn't hear anything back. My mind was like, oh, see, I told you they weren't going yeah, to be yeah, 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 blah, blah, yeah. blah, But what I didn't realize is that they were asleep over in China. <laughs> so I wound up going to sleep. And then and when I wake up, it. I look at my email and I've got five jobs Flooded. offered. Wow. And I'm just like, wait, how is this possible? Like everything in my life happens like that. When, when God has something for me, it happens without it's resistance happened. and immediately, yeah. like it's instantaneous. Yeah. So from that time, it took me a week to wrap my mind around it after I got the job in uh, offers, did the interviews. And then from that all the way to the time I got to China was a two week process. Wow. So wow. it happened, you know, I, I narrowed it's... it down to two, two jobs. Then from there, <laughs> then from there, I, um, they told me, you know, you have to go ahead and apply for your visa. I applied for the visa. I was like, oh, this is going to take forever. Trump just got in. There ain't no way my black ass is going to be able yeah, to get yeah, it ain't happening. I ain't over there. <laughs> Man, that was a Wednesday. No, no, that was a Monday. Wednesday, I got the call from the embassy. Hey, you're, uh, you're, we're sending you, we're FedExing you your, um, your passport so, and visa back. It was just all God. It was like, was you ain't like, getting out of this. You ain't getting out of like, this. How is this possible? So I called the school. I tell them, they're like, okay, can you be on a flight tomorrow? Mm. And I was like, okay. I literally got on a flight that wow. very next day. Wow. This all happened in a wow. two week, two business wow. week time period. Wow. 10 days. Wow. That's the so universe. that happened. I wound up going to China. Uh, I'm going to give you the short, short version now. Wound up going to China, um, set a goal that in three months I wanted to have all these uh, relationships set up where, mm-hmm. I, you know, because I, like I told you, I wanted to create international trade lines yes. for black businesses. So all this is going around. I'm, I'm doing a little bit of research at the same time while I'm teaching. They got me teaching economics, English, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how I got myself into this. You know, <laughs> it was crazy. It was one of the best experiences I've ever experienced in my life. But at the same time, I was like, I came here with a goal in mind. Mm-hmm. So all this time on my weekends, I'm literally, you know, Making interviewing. Those doing, yes, yeah, yes. You yes. know, all these things. So I wound up finding a factory that was going to manufacture my book because by that time I had, um, I had writer's block for 10 years hmm. and I was talking to two of my homegirls, one of my publicists and one of them, my, uh, my homegirl who's also a writer. And they said to me, it was like, look, you just need to take it easy. Take it one thing mm-hmm. at a time, you know, mm-hmm. take it one step at a time. I was like, I just want to do a little pamphlet, uh, you know, mm-hmm. something no bigger than this, like put two sticky uh, pads together that big that can fit in the pocket. And this will be the thing that I can say that if I was to die tomorrow, I left. Something. That's that's the yes, yeah. That's all I wanted. That was like no, uh, uh-uh, you gotta you gotta do at yeah. least 
a hundred. I was like, a hundred? I was like, that's too much. I'm just getting out of this. And my homegirl was like, how many have you written already? And I said, 25. She said, that's a quarter of the way through. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And once I realized it, yeah. I had taken it into incremental portions yeah. and wound up getting it's something that had been blocked up for 10 years yes. and getting it out. out. So I out. got that done before I left. I sat on the shelf, walked uh, away from, I said, once I get to China, I wait by three months in, I'll make sure I go and revisit it. And then I'll go ahead and start looking for a factory. I wanted to have this book done and printed and manufactured by my birthday, which was November the 24th. So October gave me a month to be able to get it in and get it ready by my birthday. Did that. The factory that I wound up coming down to because I like their products or whatever that they put out. So I go there, I'm doing my last walkthrough with the people. They're showing me that they um, had got everything set. They said, Mr. Eric, we have to delay your book. And I'm like, why? I've already paid you guys. They said, oh, we have a long time client that um, just put in a major order. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. And Lay says, do you wanna see? I say, sure. Now my book is, it's called, <laughs> this business called Living a Refill When the Well Arms Dry. It's my first motivational book. And um, so the lady brings me over what looked like a pamphlet, but what they do is they do each chapter and pile them together. And then uh -huh. each chapter they okay. put next to each other. <clears throat> and then they wind up compiling everything. So she brings me this thing and I look at it. I said, <laughs> most, of the, most of the folks, I know personally, so I was like, oh shit. She said, what's wrong? I said, are you serious? She says, yeah. I said, she says, you know him? I said, I said, do I know him? She said, you know Mr. Tony? I said, yes, I know Mr. Tony. Everybody knows Mr. Tony. The guy that winds up pushing back my book because he was doing his book was Tony Robbins. Wow. My first motivational <laughs> book, inspirational book, gets pushed it's back pushed by the motivational book. Yes. I was just like, I wow. just kind of looked up. I was like, "Really, y'all serious? Wow. Like, really?" So much there, though. Like, yeah. you right in the right yeah. spot. Like everything, everything. everything. That's all, God. That's all. Yeah. That's it, the it universe. Was, like, brother. Yeah, <laughs> it was bizarre. So wow. that experience, you know, wind up, and then the day of my <laughs> deadline that I wanted to have everything done, I, I met um, some brothers while I was over there, and I said I was going to pick up kickboxing because I needed to do something with my time. Mm -hmm. Didn't really know anybody. There was like four black people there. China actually got me to see what unity is like mm. in the black community. Mm. Over in mm. China, there's a very tight-knit black community, and it's, it's literally what wow. I think Dr. King saw um, wow. as it relates to just our community. Yes. Anytime a black person, whether you're from Africa, the motherland, or whether you were African American, anytime we saw a speck of brown, we ran to each, yeah. each other. Yeah. Literally. Yes. Because yes. it's it was so rare that we got to see each other. Yes. So when you saw each other, it didn't matter whether you were on your way to work, wherever. If you saw something brown, you were running towards each you, other. Yes. Yes. Like literally, it was such an amazing experience. And that was one of the things that literally helped me to see. All we need to do is have that connectivity. Once we realize that we are all interconnected, it's a game changer. You can't be you until I am completing my portion. Yes. You know, yes. so it's like then you realize it's a it's a basket. It's yes. something that's weaved together that literally there is no I in 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 what was it? No I in team. Yes. You know all those colloquialisms no that we use competition. To say. This is yes. Right. This is it's yes. literally that. Yes. 
when you realize that literally we all of our existence depend on each other mm-hmm. and if because we've always been a, a community minded you know we've true. always been a we as so opposed true. to an i so you know true. it wasn't until you know europeanism and mm-hmm. colonialism that we actually mm-hmm. dropped the we and took up the i yes. you know yes. so it, it was that type of mindset that it it reminded me but also one of the things that happened was i get a phone call from dr garvey He's the youngest son of Marcus Garvey. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, he said, hey, what you doing? I said, I'm over in China. He said, China? What are you doing in China? I was like, I came over here to teach and I wanted to do some create international trade lines for black business, give him my whole spiel. And he says, do you realize that you are continuing what my father wanted to do? I said, no, I don't. I'm in China. Uh, I don't think that, compared, yeah, no. He says, my father wanted to literally wow. go amongst everywhere in the world where there were black and brown people. And he wanted to create these trade lines. And I was just like, wow. I never really realized that. I never saw it in that context. And all these things literally coming all together to say, it was like literally, as we realize Mm. that no man is an island, Mm. the work that Marcus Garvey wanted to do, which was really kind of narrowed down and simplified into the Back to Africa movement. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was, erroneously simplified to that, you know, which people were trying to assert that he wanted all black people to go back to Africa. That was not what he wanted to do. What Marcus Garvey wanted to do was unite black people mentally with Africa. He said, you have China for the Chinese. You have Ireland for the Irish. You have, you know, Europeans for the Europe, Europe for the Europeans, all that. He said, but we need Africa for the Africans at home and abroad. And that was one of the main things that clicked once we realize, because that's, that's literally now reconnecting you with heritage, mm-hmm. history, mm-hmm. everything, yes. you yes. know, that literally remind, it reconnects. Yes. Like for now, we're kind of roaming around as, as uh, orphans. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's that same syndrome of, you know, having somebody that's adopted that always wants to know who they are. Who they are. You know, that's the whole yeah, thing that he wanted to do yes. was actually, you know, take some orphans, reunite them with their parents, you know, mentally. That black diaspora and that, that, yo, that, and I think that you talked about that oversimplification of it and that, you know, and and I think that that is something that was set forth on purpose. Um, Yeah. You know, because when you really break it down and you start talking about that collective mindset, that unity, some folks been in a community, Mm -hmm. magnetic attraction, those are all of the things, you know, and then here you are trying to create these trade lines. So, because that's one thing as a people that we are always trying to rebalance that. We, our people are, there are things that are put in front of us that that distract that and challenge and cause Mm -hmm. obstacles, but we're always trying to kind of come to this this level balance again, you know, in those things that you just said, they're just that. And you were doing that work. You were doing it in a different, you know, like yeah. a, a facet, but you were, yeah. you were continuing that work, you know, that, that was set forth, bro. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's, there, there's still a lot more coming. Um, there's a lot more coming um, as it relates to doing that in a different way and directly so mm-hmm. that we're able to, um, cause the major, a whole nother conversation that we need to have is more so about, um, people understanding black economics. And this was initially what we were going to talk about. Remember? Mm-hmm. I was like, Hey, let's just go yes. live real quick. Yes. But that we, is yes. Cause we were looking at that generational wealth. Was oh, it the generational yes. wealth? Was it black wealth yes. uh, and white? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wealth. Yes. yes. So the wealth gap, 
Yes. And um, yes. one of the things that that's a whole nother conversation because we could be on here for another yes. two hours. <laughs> but that is one of the most important things. Yes. And that's one of my other focuses. It's it's, it's, it's a big work. It really is. But yeah. it's, it's something that's attainable and somebody has to do it. And, um, and people need to know what it is, Eric, because I think that because people see that. Right. Um, and I forget what the exact numbers were. It was like maybe 170. I forget. But it was mm -hmm. network. And sometimes folks don't understand yeah. what net what net worth means. Like, what does that? Right. It's it's not even like your yearly salary. It's because right. some people think, oh, that's how much someone makes a year. Right, you and know? that was their automatic thought. Yes, that was what happened on that thread, and we had to yes. correct that. It was like, no, 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 no. Yes. That's not what it is. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes, yes, we have people that have excelled that do get paid high and well, but mm -hmm. also think about what a small percentage yes. that is. Yes. And then one of the things that I pointed out to them, which Dr. Claude Anderson talks about, mm -hmm. is at the time mm -hmm. of emancipation, one half of one percent owned the wealth of black uh, black yes. America. Yes. That was only about a thousand people. <laughs> you know, let, let's put it kind of in numbers. Right? right. And now we're talking about here in 2021 where black wealth is still at one half of one percent. There is no growth. There is no you know, it's an illusion. Uh, yeah. When you look at it, it's, it's, we really haven't made any progress, you know, for mm -hmm. the amount of people that we mm -hmm. have, the mm -hmm. millions and millions of people that we have, we have not made a dent in wealth. And that, yes, yes. And broken That's into an that. issue. Yes. Yes. No, so that, one of the that, things, yes. Yeah. So one of the Go things ahead. that I wanted to do, <laughs> Mr. Rod, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted to do, which I thought was my mission, was to make sure that we are. Because then we got to go into talking about, mm -hmm. you know, how how much wealth circulates in the community. In the Jewish community, it's, yeah, it circulates yes, 13, yes, uh, 13 yes. times in the community before yeah. it leaves out. You know, in the Asian community, it's very high. It circulates mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. In the black community, it circulates less than yes. six hours. Yes, which is wild. Less than six hours. Wow. So that literally shows us that everything. And then also, I have yes. to correct myself. I said something wrong. I said the black community. There is no such thing as the black community. It's actually the black colony. A community mm -hmm. controls itself. A colony mm -hmm. is controlled mm -hmm. externally. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole right. nother thing <laughs> that we have to discuss. Which is part of the challenge that it we're- It is, yes. absolutely. Yes. It's all a part yes. of the wealth gap. Yes. And until we're able to control our communities, and until we're able to do and be wise like other communities, we're- mm. I'm just going to say, it. <laughs> so in every other community, when you go into, I was watching something that literally illustrated this. Matter of fact, uh, check out Amen um, on Netflix. It's, it's, it's hosted Amen. by Will Smith. Yeah. Okay. It's hosted Got by it. Will Smith and they're going over the 15th Amendment, I think it is. Okay. Um, so going over that though. So you, you go into the, um, for one example they give is you go into the Asian community. Do you mm -hmm. see a soul food restaurant in there? Do you see any black stores in there? No. So you go into all these other communities that have are, that are all self-sustaining. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Every community should have their own community that they support, that they own everything in there, and mm -hmm. they control their resources in their communities. Mm -hmm. We are the only ones that are not allowed and have been conditioned not to mm -hmm. do these things. We have not been encouraged to, to, to pool our resources. Mm -hmm. And when we were, there's always been hell to pay. You know, um, some of the greatest resources that we take advantage of right now 
Um, some that I, my family uh, was able to take advantage of that it, back when I was a kid. So WIC, WIC, mm-hmm. that's Women, Infant, and Children. That mm-hmm. program was actually started by us, mm-hmm. but was co-opted by the government. Yes. That was started by Fred Hampton yes. and yes. the Black Panthers yes. in Illinois. Yes. yes. Yep. Something yes. that was so great that they actually took and implemented yes. in American society that people are still benefiting from now. Today, but we don't yeah. get we don't get that the credit for that <laughs> that credit or the pat on the back for the ingenuity, yes. right? Yes. So all these things, even the breakfast, you know, uh, the breakfast, breakfast uh, program, yes. program yes. that they started, that was the Black yes. Panthers. That was us. Yes. But and that right now, kids in schools are able to advance, you know, still take advantage of that today. Yes. today. That was started by you. You know, so there's all these different things that we don't know that we haven't had. You know, uh, one of the things that Longbridge is doing great right now that um, it's for the high school. But one of my good buddies um, that I knew back in the day, uh, Dr. Roberta Weems. Um, yes, yes. Oh, my Freeman. God. Why can't I say? Freeman. Thank Freeman, you. yes. And, yes. I, I, and that's funny because I knew both of them. The summer that they um, came to Long Branch or whatever, we were working in the summer program and I was working at Anastasia School. And that's where they met. <laughs> Wow. Um, we talked wow. about that the, the first year yes, I came back yes, to Long Branch. Dr. Freeman, but yes. um, Dr. Freeman, she actually yes. wrote the curriculum for the African-American um, um, program, the history program. So wow. she created a whole curriculum that's absolutely amazing. You know, but we didn't have access to that. Yes. But I bet you nobody may necessarily know that she created this curriculum yes. at Long Branch High School. Yes. You know, that's a curriculum wow. that's being taught as an elective. Wow. 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 You know? But until we know this and we support it, you know, we're not going to be able to move as a, a, a culture or a society. Strategically. You know, we have to actually have a, a sense of self. That was one of the things that Marcus Garvey talked about. Mm-hmm. We, uh, that was one of the things that um, that um, the Nation of Islam talked about, mm-hmm. you know, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, also yes. the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, you know, yes. like all these. And, and it's been absolutely amazing. I have been embraced and supported by all of it's so weird to think about it now um i met malcolm x's daughter Eliasa, um over a decade ago so that was actually 2007 was when i first met her i never knew how god and ancestors were going to work i didn't know that 10 years later i would own a large portion of her father's history you know so (laughs) that then we had um, Martin Luther King. Well, first, no, my, my freshman year of college at Morehouse, I met um, Bernice King outside of the King Center because me and my friends wanted to go somewhere. It was late at night, and I just kind of wanted to be amongst greatness. So we decided to go down to the King Center. I told you I was a very odd kid, but um, that was something that was important to me. And while we're sitting out there, and it was so weird because – God and the ancestors, they told me somebody was going to be there. I didn't know why we were going there. I was like, yeah, we got to go there. So we wound up going there, and we're standing there talking outside the front. Um, and then Bernice King walks down the steps. And then we're having a conversation with her out, out front, you know, for, for a while. <laughs> then, you know, like Dick Gregory, got to meet Dick Gregory yeah. and, and develop a personal relationship with him. Marcus Garvey got to meet, and, and you know, he, he's one of my mentors, mm. his son, you know. Then Martin Luther King III, Dick Gregory introduced me to him um, the last time we were all together when he did his shows. And he was like, you need to know him. That's what he told uh, the third, Martin III. And it was just so strange. You know, all these great leaders, um, I've been introduced to them. Lists, it's yes. so crazy. You know, Dorothy Height 
the, the mother of the civil rights movement that was literally mm -hmm. in, she was the person that was pulling all the strings, yes. you know, getting everybody together. I got yes. to spend that time with her, you know, um, hosting the event with um, the National Visionary Leadership Project that I was telling you about earlier with Renee Poussant and uh, Camille Cosby, you know, so that, and then all these different situations, I never knew what I was being groomed for. Ruby D um, met her through them. Um, and then also when she came, she was doing an off-Broadway show here in Atlanta called St. Lucy's Eyes. I actually sat down and interviewed her. I got the uh, uh, tape recording of it and never even released it. I've got so much stuff in, in the archives, it's ridiculous. Um, but all these people, I did not know. And who would think, you know, my 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 journey started with Lena Horne. Hmm. You know, when you one just, of the legendary you activists, artists. Write a letter you know, to, yes. Yeah. Wow. But you never know what life has in store for you. Wow. But to answer the question, which that was a long way around, to answer your question, it, always follow your passion. That's what I would tell my, myself also. You know, keep that boldness, like I told you before, but mm -hmm. always follow, follow your passion. Whatever it is, mm -hmm. do it, and, and this is a saying at Morehouse, um, do it so well that nobody living, no man, no man living, no man, li no man living, no man dead, and no man yet to be born can do it better. Mm. Yo. That was that was a statement that um, that. Uh, uh, Benjamin Benjamin um, ah come on Eric oh man if my classmates were going here they dogged me out right now not Bannon <laughs> uh, no he was actually the president of Morehouse he was um, mentor to Martin Luther King um, Dr Benjamin Mays okay. Benjamin E Mays okay um, that was a that thing was his that statement said. yeah. So that was what was told to Martin Luther King. That was told to Spike Lee. That was told to um, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, Maynard Jackson, all the, the oh, greats yeah. that came from Morehouse. That was what we were told, you know, and that was how I lived my life even before I got to Morehouse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to make sure that I was going to do something. You know, it started off negative, which was like, you know, that saying that, you know, you're going to be like your father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to do yeah. everything yeah. not yeah. to be like my father. Yeah. Yeah. But that led me to reaching goals. You know, whatever your your initial motivation mm -hmm. is, at mm -hmm. some point you're going to have to shift from that. Mm -hmm. You don't want to stay in the same place. Yes. For yes. me, that that allowed me to, by the age of thirteen, I think I was the youngest <laughs> youngest person in Long Branch to actually get certified in CPR and rescue breathing at the age of thirteen. Um, also, at the age of thirteen, I created a community garden that was in the um, in Reverend Williams' old backyard. And we mm. gave out the, um, the the vegetables. Like I, I became a farmer out of nowhere, but that was wow. something that was in my heart, you know, yes. to do to make sure that the community was able to take advantage of it. And we gave that away, you know, at the church, yes. where people can come and get fresh vegetables. I, I like and it that. Was so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't no, even remember this. Stuff. It's not weird, bro. And you know what I like what you what you said, in the importance of because sometimes we do things, and a lot of things when I look at my life. I did it in spite of something, right? Mm -hmm. It was yeah. like what you said. Mm -hmm. And but then you're right. If you don't reposition and recalibrate, mm -hmm. you're almost staying on that same timeline yeah. that you start. And sometimes it's anger, Eric. Sometimes, Absolutely. like, you know, and then it's, it's like, are you gonna get to a space of love where you're doing right? This? Absolutely. Or are you gonna stay in that place? Because that's what it was for me. It was yeah. anger, frustration. It was like people don't that think will I keep can. you in a spiral. Exactly. Yes. That will keep you in a spiral that literally yes. is that's a negative. <laughs> yes. You know, it's yes. all about the vibrations. And that was one of the things that yes. um Dick yes. Gregory would always push. 
He said, man, it's another, yes. it's a different vibration. Different I was just vibration. like, okay, yeah, yes. you're, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. But it yeah, is, it's yes. all about vibration. Yeah. Are we going to stay at the lowest vibration, mm -hmm. the lowest frequency that we are, mm -hmm. you know, that mm -hmm. literally keeps us primal? That's just in mm -hmm. survival mode. Mm -hmm. Are you, Or are yes. you going to elevate to yes. the highest per place that you yes. can be, the highest yes. vibration that's going to yes. get you to whatever you can think of? Yes. That's one of the things yes. I tell people. It's like um, one of the things in my book is speak what you want because you can have what you say. Mm. You know, these are things that are important because whatever I can conceive in my mind, I can manifest in my reality. Yes. Yes. You know, so yeah. it's always being at that higher vibration. You always want to go up in, in, in your level. You never want to stay stagnant because anything that is not moving is dead and anything that is dead should be buried. Yes. <laughs> yo, you, you, what it is. you uh, yo, uh, Dick Gregory, the honorable Dick Gregory was so right. We and I think Shiraz said it earlier. Uh, we have to protect you at all costs, brother. Oh, wow. Like it is, you know, you start talking about treasures, man. Um, would you would you bless us with tonight, fam? Forever, forever thankful. Wow. And one of the great things, and one of the things that you talked about leaving something and leaving a legacy, and yeah. a lot of what I wanted to do with this show was to create just that was to create something that folks can go back and renew, download yeah. it, watch it, and yep. it's there. It's a history. It's now a part. This is part of an archive, yeah. you know, and, and that yeah. is exactly what I was like, we need to do, you know, and hearing all of these voices, man, hearing your story, brother, and it's so much more. I mean, Sharon talked about five hours. He's like, yo, yeah, listen. And, and, and I think um, one of the things that we got to work on is not only getting you back, but also getting together some folks to do some work along with the work that you're doing. Um, and not, not just doing a show, but really putting something together where we're really doing some connections. And, you know, I think that, I think that that is a next step. You know, I think that yeah. that is strategizing and really starting to put some of these things that you're doing, but putting them to action, especially at this local level here where we're at, you know, because I think I think we need it, fam. I think I talked yeah. about talking about a history of, you know, of black teachers in Long Branch, black educators yeah. in Long Branch. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like these are the things, because when our when our kids come through the system, if they're taught that, yeah. imagine how their trajectory and their future self. Absolutely. changes because Absolutely. their whole racial identity begins to change because they're starting to see, well, this greatness that mm -hmm. been in these, like Miss Roy can't have a school yeah. named after her. Right. Uh, we talked about Miss Alexander. That's going on yeah. right now. You know, shout yeah. out to them. Yo, yeah. th think about it. You know, when yeah. you really start breaking that down, bro, like you had that, that history with Miss Dr. Roy. Yeah. I have that history with Dr. Roy. You yeah. know, uh, Mr. Gilbert was on here talking about that history. Mm -hmm. And you talked about your mama, your like, come mm -hmm. on, bro. Like yeah. that—that is an institution in yeah. itself. She, she definitely know? should have. Hey, Karen, she definitely yep. should have a school, Doctor Roy. Like, literally, come she on, had my bro. aunt, like all of them. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, Yo. she should have a school named after her, as well as uh, Miss Alexander. Yes, like, like, like these. Are, yes, yes, absolutely phenomenal yes. people. Yes, I, I can't. Yo, Doctor Roy had man. And she had us all the knuckleheads. Oh, all yeah. of us knuckleheads was in that class. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many yeah. stories I remember from that class. Yeah. Um, and so much I learned from her, even when I became an educator.
that I mm-hmm. found myself practicing, not even realizing I was practicing some of the same things that she taught me. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, that it never I, goes away. But that's how, but I think, and that's what I mean about we got to create some kind of connection because I think once yeah. we start getting these stories out there, yeah. and then we start creating on the other side of that the voice of like, hey, our history is real in this city. And how yeah. is it now being? Uh, uh, I hate to say endorsed, but you could say endorsed, right. memorial, yeah. memorialized, right. whatever it is Absolutely. you want to say. But Absolutely. we, you know, like because we need that. We talked about that being the blood. Yeah, we need that. We need Definitely. that, fam. So, Eric, man, you gave us a lot of your time tonight, brother, and I, right. I'm really, I'm really thankful really thankful that you gave us this time tonight. And I know the community's been out here, you know, they going more, 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 more. Um, but I want to be conscious of your time. Um, no, this and, is, and like I told you, this to is family. Brother. So yes. absolutely. I, I, I say the same thing. Uh, yes. Mr. Gilbert said about Lena Conroe being renamed. Absolutely. Yes. Why not? Yeah. Bro, it should be renamed Dr. Carlita Polk Roy. Yes. <laughs> Do you, yo, absolutely. see, but that, and, and that's what maybe that is what, our next yeah. step is man is to start Definitely. saying all right yo let's we're gonna start creating some petitions we're gonna yeah. start creating some noise you know um and this is good trouble you know yeah. this is the good Absolutely. this is like John and then Lewis. also educate yeah. yes educating yeah. our young people so that they Absolutely. know yo we stand on the shoulders of See, they really folks. don't understand what representation means for us if it mm-hmm. wasn't for tyrone hamlin mm-hmm. i wouldn't have fell in love he, with his yes Yes. You know, yes. if it wasn't for Dr. Roy, yes. I wouldn't have yes. seen myself more than a, what yes. I thought I could be. Yes. Yes. You know, it was these yes. people. It was, it was seeing a reflection of myself. Mm-hmm. So with them being able to see a reflection of them as with a name on a school, yes. representation yes. is everything. Yes. So when they actually see somebody yes. that we're telling them about legends in our time mm-hmm. that they can understand, like that's when they realize what they, the limit yes. to their yes. greatness yes. can be. Yes. And as I always tell people, it's like the sky is just the basement. And that's really what it has been. Real talk. Real talk, yo. Real talk. I'm, um, yo. But like I said, this is family. So whenever you want to talk, yo, I'm, I'm, yo, you know, I'm hitting you up, bro. You know, I'm hitting you up. and, And I appreciate it. Um, I really do, and, and the, the community appreciates it. Um, and we're very, we're very, very blessed to have you. Uh, and we will be, we definitely will be in touch. So thank you again, brother. Thank, thank you, you again. And yo, keep doing like the great things that that you out there doing. I know you don't need me to tell you that because it's it's already no, it been it's already been written, bro. It's yeah. already it's, been written. It's already been written. Yeah, I'm just it's, me, and that's that's the. Part, it's weird to hear people talk about me. It scares me sometimes. Like I kind of block it out. I laugh it mm-hmm. off. Um, but I'm I don't think I'm doing anything different than anybody else. Like literally, I'm just I'm living my life, I'm living my passion, I'm living my purpose. And that's the most important thing. Like it reminds me of uh when I was in school. Like literally, sometimes we have our families that push us to want to do something for the money. Um, I was going to be a computer scientist. My when I first went into Morehouse for my first three years, my um my, my uh degree was going to be in computer science with a dual degree in engineering, and that was because all the different programs I was in Pace and you know all the different programs in Monmouth mm-hmm. University and everything, and um that was where the money was. Yes, I liked it until I got to school and realized that I would have to be in four walls 
surrounded by a computer and and from people that couldn't hold a regular conversation. (laughs) And I was like, no, I can't do that. And it wasn't until I stood up for my dream and my purpose when I said to my grandmother, I was like, look, after you dead and gone, I still got to live with this. And the response was the funniest thing. She goes, why didn't you say that in the first place? Like, damn, if I knew it was that easy, I could avoid it all this. All of this, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yo, but until you stand up for your purpose, when you realize something that makes you happy and you fight for it, like it's going to wind up fighting for you, you know, yes, that is what happens. Yes, what they say that's what the universe will conspire to. Like, once you put it out there, the universe will begin to conspire to make it happen, you know, Uh, but you got to declare it. Comes you, have a, you have to have that level of declare, declaration. Um, and I'm happy that you declared it, bro. Um, because you could easily be somewhere miserable and I not was. doing this. Yes. yes. I was. And, and then I changed. Doing this. Yes. <laughs> I changed that. Yes. Like, oh, no, no, no. Life is bro. too long or short to be unhappy. And I refuse to be yes. that in, in, my, in my personal life, in my professional life, yes. uh, and in my legacy. Nobody wants to be miserable. I'm too young. Well, I'm knocking at 40's door soon. You know, I'm 38. But I'm just like, life is too long, you know, from a young perspective. And then it's too short to be unhappy. Yes. So it's just like, okay, I got to choose me. And and, and, in different aspects of your life, you always have to choose you. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it won't be easy. But I think that's God's test sometimes. And the ancestors like, okay, look. We had to endure this. Are you going to stand up for what you believe? What going are you going to stand up for the most important thing, which is you? Yeah. Or are you going to let somebody else extinguish your dream? And taking those shorts. Yes. Mm-hmm. The most important thing and the biggest thing you can ever do I, is stand up for you. Choose you. Bro, I love it. I love it. And a, that could be a show on it. And it's that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you oh, just yeah. said. What you just said. You know, because uh, a lot of us are out there wearing a mask. So oh, brother yeah. uh, Claude McKay said, out there wearing the mask. Um, but we are going to say peace to the community. Uh, peace to you, brother. Uh, it's been real. Um, dope, yeah. dope, dope conversation. Thank you all for who tuned in tonight. And those of you who are going to tune in in the future, check out the YouTube Purpose and Practice. Yo, like the page, subscribe to the page, and definitely share it. We are definitely growing on YouTube. So keep that momentum going. And we're going to keep bringing this heat. So until next week, you know, I say peace to you all and be, and be safe, you know, and I wish you all good health, mental health, social health. Yeah. Uh, spiritual health, physical health. So we will see you next time. Peace out. Once again, shout out to you, Eric Majette. Check the brother out. Yo, if you haven't already, check him out. Uh, Keep doing your thing, brother. Definitely. Thank you so much. Peace. It's a non-core banger. Dr. Ross dropping knowledge to the masses. Make you now tuned in the purpose and practice. A yeah, purpose and practice. Keep your mental sharp. Uh, learn all the tactics. Dr. Ross, shopping knowledge to the masses. Man, you now tuned in the purpose and practice. 